Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. In That's tomorrow, and that is it. Again, five, four. That's tomorrow, and that is it for us today. And we will leave you with a. I can't do it. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I can. I'll write it, and we'll do it live. This thing sucks. Who is your daddy, and what does he do? End of day. The freedom of speech is being taken away. And welcome to a brand new life, to a brand new day, all the way from the wastelands of California. My name is Michael. And I'm not a right-wing wacko or a convicted felon. No. I look forward to once again serve you those sounds of salvation. First-time listeners, turn on, tune in, and drop out. This is a different kind of show. A place where we don't feel so alone. Let us chase away the light no matter what you at home choose to believe. I do admire you for your curiosity. Live and direct right now on the TuneIn Radio app. Search End of Days and you'll find the 24-7 network, or go to michaeldeacon.com for your preferred choice of platform to hear the podcast rendition. Don't forget, this is a call-in show. Please feel free to call in whenever you'd like. That number is 760-332-8724. Or go to Skype. Put that on your phone. I recommend everyone to do that. If you haven't done that yet, please go ahead and do so now. My guest today is James Fetzer, a former Marine Corps officer. He has published widely on the theoretical foundations of scientific knowledge, computer science, artificial intelligence, cognitive science, and evolution, and mentality. He's been here plenty of times. He has become somewhat much more meaningful than just a guest, per se. He also is the host of The Raw Deal great show. Let's not waste no more time. I believe he is currently waiting right now. Let's bring him in. James, is that you? Yeah, I'm here, Michael. I'm here. Oh, I'm so glad you can be there and join us all here on on this great little program. And I was just telling the listeners uh, how you've been much more than just a guest here on this program. You've been a pretty important asset to uh, this show. Well, I'm really pleased to hear that, Michael. Oh, yes. It's been great every time we do one of these things, and here tonight I expect to do the same. So, James, once again, let's, let, let's, um, let's talk a little bit about your background quickly, because there, there's lots of new souls out there that are just tuning in for the very first time, and I'm very happy to say that. 
Well, I was uh, commissioned in the Marine Corps on graduation uh, from uh, Princeton. I served four years, including a year as a series commander at the Recruit Depot in San Diego, where I had 15 DIs and 300 recruits under my command. I was trained as an artillery officer, which turned out to be handy, just as having a background at the Marine Corps where Lee Oswald had undergone his recruit training. Right. It was, it was obvious to me in Boston, those were puff pieces that couldn't have killed anyone unless you'd actually been sitting on them. I then uh, resigned my commission as a captain to enter graduate school and earned a PhD in the history and the philosophy of science in 1970. I began a 35 year career as a professor of philosophy, offering courses primarily in logic, critical thinking, and scientific reasoning. I, I turned from the conventional academic uh, career in 1992 when I began collaborating on research on the, the assassination of JFK, where I w- wound up bringing together the best qualified individuals to ever study the case. A world authority on a human, on the human brain who was also an expert on wound ballistics, a PhD in physics who was also an MD in Board certified in radiation oncology, which made him an expert in the interpretation of x-rays, a physician who had been in trauma room one when his moribund body was brought in and two days later was responsible for the care and treatment of his alleged assassin, a legendary photo and film analyst, another PhD in physics, this time with a specialty in electromagnetism, the properties of light and images of moving objects who proved to be extraordinarily talented at Taking the extant version of the Sapruder film, which has been massively edited, I have surmised that while we have 487 frames today, that originally there were on the order of a thousand. They, they took out around a hundred with a limousine turning from Houston on to M, and then another 400 or even more when the limo stop occurred, which of course had to be excised from the film. It was during that point in time that JFK was hit twice in the head. David Mantic, who's become the leading expert on the medical evidence in the world today, he's the PhD who's also an MD and board certified in radiation oncology, believes there may have been a third shot to the head. I, I resigned my, uh, well, I retired in 2006 and I've been doing, you know, devoting the rest of my, the time I have to exposing corruption by the government. I, before I retired, I'd already published three books on JFK, which Vincent Bugliosi described as the only exclusively scientific books ever published. This is all collaborative research. I would co-author a book about the, the death of Senator Paul Wellstone, where I'd published 10 articles in the alternative news in Duluth, where I wound up as a, on the, the, the Duluth campus of the University of Minnesota. By, by the way, James, I'm sorry to interrupt you there, but do you own a cat? Yeah, you hear he yeah, he's been banned temporarily. Oh for no bad, bad behavior. Poor yeah. kitty. So he's about <laughs> next room meowing, yeah. Oh. If I let him out, the problem is I gotta catch him. See, I am we're uh, we're actually away. I drove back here. It's uh, forty five minutes back and forth. Uh, oh, I love that. A couple of times now for, for the show. And uh yeah, I am sorry about, about It's okay. No, it, I love it. No, exactly. it's He's actually got on the air mm-hmm. before Michael. I've had him right here on my lap, and oh. you can hear him meowing right into the right into the mic. You got to bring him in one time. Yeah, well, one of I'll these days. Happy. Awesome. And, and so I I I had published uh, these three books, which I think are you know shattered the cover up. They demonstrated that the uh, 
that the the body had been uh, altered, the X-rays had been changed, the Zapruder film had been massively edited. Uh, I just have published actually a, a brand new book, a fourth book on JFK. Which oh, a new one. Yeah, Moonrock Books, JFK, Who, How, and Why. Nice. Yeah, yeah, where I bring together the most recent research, which has been able to establish conclusively that Lee Oswald was in the doorway of the Texas School Book Depository when the motorcade passed by. Uh, I mean, it's beyond any doubt whatsoever. We already knew, based on his height, weight, build, shirt, T-shirt, that this was uh, Lee Oswald because the only candidate the government has ever advanced is two to three inches shorter, 15 to 20 pounds heavier, and was wearing a completely different shirt. The, the, on the, the man in the doorway, it's a, a long sleeve, richly textured shirt that's rather worn, whereas the Billy Lovelady's co-worker, the government insists, was this person was, as I say, shorter, heavier, and wearing a short sleeve, red and white, vertically striped shirt. In fact, the FBI asked him to come in on the 29th of, uh, uh, of February, 2000, uh, uh, 1994, uh, 1964, for to, to wearing the shirt he had. They took photographs and sent a report to Jay Edgar saying this was a guy in the doorway, which is trading on an ambiguity because he was in the doorway to the left of Lee. In fact, he had his hands up raised to block the sun so he could see what was going on. And the FBI agent directed by Hoover to establish his identity, hoped the director wouldn't notice and send them off to Alaska for their next assignment uh, because, you know, he couldn't possibly be the man in the doorway. They tried to obfuscate this. They had photographs taken with a, wearing the shirt of yet a third person, but they didn't even get the right shirt. The third person is seen in other film footage further down toward the street, but he's a big Husky guy. Yes. He has a strange countenance. I've re- countenance. I've referred to him as Gorilla Man. Gorilla he Man. Look, yeah, he doesn't look at all like Billy Lovelady. He's wearing a red and white, che- red and black checkered shirt with a pocket. He's got a pack of cigarettes in his pocket. And it's interesting when Robert Groden, who many think is a great hero of the JFK truth movement, uh, turns out he's been playing the other side uh, for a very long time. Got him to, you know, took photographs of him wearing a red, the, the Billy Love Lady, wearing a red and black checkered shirt, but it didn't have the pocket. I mean, right. Uh, but by the way, the, yes. I mean, there's so much going on here yeah. that's so dirty, mm-hmm. Michael, you can hardly do it. Understood. And James, you are totally fine with taking calls today, correct? Oh, of course. Yeah. I, I, I believe there's a call now for you. Oh, all right. L- let's take that call. Let's see where this <laughs> takes us. A uh, caller, you are live on the air. What's going on? Hi, I, I'm. I was just talking to Jim a few seconds before the show. I'm having trouble tuning into listening. I, I can't have a. I do have a question for Jim, but I'm, where do you go on the internet to listen to the show? I've been having trouble listening. I only saw the option to call in. Oh, you go to. I believe it's www.michaeldeacon.com. Thank you. Okay. Yes. I'm glad glad you're going to check out the show. Yes, I'm glad he's listening in. This is a very interesting guy in and of himself. This is Jim Condit Jr., who's a very politically savvy guy and has got a lot to say himself. So I hope you might call back later. Yes, I hope so, too. 
Uh, hopefully he gets that checked out. But it's not very hard to find this program. You just go to yeah. uh, michaeldeacon.com or on the TuneIn radio app by searching End of Days. And speaking of uh, talk shows, Jim, you are also a host yourself. Yeah, I've had quite a few shows in my day, six or seven. I, I've got... Wow. I have, yeah, I have two radio shows now. One is called The Raw Deal, which is Tuesday, Thursday on rentsradio.com. It's from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern. And the, the first hour, I spend the first uh, segment uh, talking about some of the most important current events, and I usually have a, a featured guest for the second segment. And then we open the calls for the whole second hour. So. By the way, Jim, I, I also see the, the name of the show called the, the Real Deal sometimes. So what exactly is it? Is it the raw deal or the real deal? What's the well, deal? Well, it's both and more, actually. What the deal is this. I was doing a show, a ra- straight radio show, um, and I had actually done 880 of that uh, show, and it was uh, it was a real deal. Uh, but I was invited to go video and you can video. present so much more evident, you know, you can That's true. make a much more powerful impact by a, yeah. a, a video show. So, uh, I was, uh, I, I switched to video. Uh, the uh, audio of the video show has been added to the old archives radio show, which is nice. at radiofetzer.blogspot.com, radiofetzer.blogspot.com. But the, the here's the here's what happened with the the, the real deal. Mm-hmm. We apparently were much too powerful. We did 215 shows before my producer's internet cable connection was physically cut at his home. Wow! Three times. Ta- three times. Now time. that's he, he come, bizarre. He'd come in to set up for the show and find everything been wiped. He'd have to reset everything. I mean, you know, it was one of those situations yeah. where. They, they, they weren't going to allow us to continue. Yeah, that's terrible. I didn't well, know about that at all. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It is Weird. terrible. It is terrible. And, yes. Uh, Speaking of which, I did enjoy your interview with, uh, I believe, was Scott Bennett. Oh, yeah. My most recent? Yes. Yeah. Well, Scott's, Scott's on Rents Radio also. He, he, In fact, he is the Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I'm the Tuesday, Thursday, 8 to 10. He's the Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 8 to 10. And I had Scott on my last show because we were talking. It about was good. This, yeah. Uh, the, the, these mysterious collisions, you know, off of the coast of Japan. Right. Where anyone who has military experience, I mean, you know, I spent a lot of time on Navy ships. Yeah. And we're going to, yes. And we're going to talk about that. And by the way, I did want to mention something. And, uh, you know, I really didn't want to say this, uh, on air, but you know, I'm, I'm a little triggered tonight. So I'm going to say a few things. That will offend a few people, but you know, I've heard you, Jim, on a few other shows, and there's, there's one in particular, uh, I won't say the name, but, but they have this intro on there that's extremely annoying. I, I kind of want to smash my face into my what, monitor. What's, what, what's, what's the intro? Oh, it's just this really annoying, uh, cheesy, corny. Oh, the little sound? You're talking about truth <sighs> versus news? I think that's what it is. Well, listen, listen, let me tell well, you. Well, what's that all about? I mean, I, okay, okay, okay. I, it has good this content, a, but what, a, what the hell is that? What, what, come on. This is a Seattle, this is a, a Seattle. Holy community. shit, come on. Listen to me. Oh, sorry, sorry. This is his show. That's not my show. Oh, no <laughs> doubt, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. No, as a, Don Gran is, uh, he's actually a, a minister. 
He's had a show for a long time called Truth Versus News, and he spells it capital N-E-W, dollar sign. And he invited me to to, to do a a kind of a news update with him. My goodness, how many, I don't know, it was two years ago or so. It's been quite a long time. And he does have this little sound, uh, little song that he plays. It kills me. I find it amusing, but I can understand (laughs) why some people might not. Anyway, uh, so I I invite Scott Bennett to join us. And Scott Bennett has a running mate by the name of uh, Michael J. Anderson, where Scott himself is a former U.S. Army intel and psyops officer who was railroaded. He was framed uh, on some kind of trumped-up charge when he wouldn't play ball. He's actually a whistleblower. But it had the ironic consequence that he wound up being incarcerated in a, a, a minimal security facility with other federal prisoners, oh, really? including one named Brad Birkenfeld, who Ooh. just happened to know all the inside financing about 9-11. So while Scott was incarcerated for this trumped-up charge, he learned all there was to know about the financing of 9-11. And when he got out, he published it in a book called Shell Game, which has been out for a couple of years now. You can get it on Amazon.com. He sent it to key players in Washington in Congress who have done nothing about it. In other words, this is a book that blows the whole thing open. And, uh, you know, he's an excellent guy. So when I had the show the other night, because Scott and I, you know, go back quite a ways now, I wanted to have him on to talk about the ships and what's going on with Russia being banned, all all, all Russia been banned for entering the United States. I mean, this really? is a president. That went life. down finally. Yeah. Wow. That was, uh, began Wednesday. That's interesting. Stunning. Yeah, I didn't think that would happen. Well, it's historically regarded as an act of war. In fact, I invited Scott to write a blog about it, which I have published on my blog. See, I've got, I had a, for a long time that radio, uh, radiofetzer.blogspot.com, but I've also for a long time had jamesfetzer.blogspot.com. So the one is a radio archive of MP3s and the other is actual blog. And here, the one I, that Scott wrote for me, Rise and Fall of Giants, U.S.-Russian visa suspension begins the next Cold War by Scott Bennett. Today, Wednesday, August 23rd, 2017, marks the official restart of the American-Russian Cold War 2.0. Get ready. My goodness. The the rumbling tension between Russia and America means one thing. It's 1987 all over again. Minus President Ronald Reagan, the secret Oliver North CIA drug-running arms deal hearings, Iran-Contra, cell phones the size of car batteries, and despite the fact that music today is much, much worse, our current international news sounds eerily similar to 1987, only more dangerous. So we're, we're both alarmed. I mean, uh, uh, there are some positive signs out there that the public is beginning to appreciate and understand the work of the so-called conspiracy theorists, uh, which is actually better thought of, you know, work by conspiracy analysts or by conspiracy realists. I just published uh, a piece. Uh, on my uh, blog, uh, it was actually a republication of a, uh, one from 2015 that had appeared on Washington's blog, but it was brilliant. It's entitled, uh, Washington's Blog Are Conspiracy Theorists Nuts, where I embedded in, in the, uh, article uh, four videos of mine. W- what is a short one? Uh, why I, Jim Fetzer, am a conspiracy theorist. Where right. I lay out the background. It's all thematically totally consistent with the original blog. 
He's got the CIA memorandum about advice to how to attack Warren Commission critics, which I talk about in that little video. Uh, then we have this, I did this uh, from false flags from 9-11 to Sandy Hook and beyond, where I, I give in brief order, less than an hour, go through five different false flag attacks. And where, curiously, Michael, since I put up the blog, this is like yesterday, they came in and took that one down. In other words, I got these four videos and he took out the false flags. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. And I've got two others, which are recent two-hour, you know, reviews of JFK, who is responsible and why, and of 9-11, who is responsible and why, which I did about, I don't know, a week or 10 days apart for the Brian Rue. He has a show called The Brian Rue Show. And I embedded them because they're so appropriate. Now, there must be something about this false flag thing, which I did out in uh, Seattle uh, a number of years back. And, and the, the fellow who edited it just did a wonderful job because, you know, he actually cut into videos I weren't showing. I'd have a still frame, but he'd go to the actual video. For example, I had a still frame of Jamie McIntyre, CNN, uh, in front of the Pentagon responding to a question from the anchor asking him about the plane that had crashed there, to which he replied, well, you might think that, but from my close-up inspection, there's no sign of any, uh, a plane having hit anywhere near the Pentagon. And of course, you know, I mean, he was speaking the truth. He would later be forced to recant. And he did it in a rather clever way, saying only a fool would deny that a plane had hit the Pentagon, meaning he had been a fool to think that the network actually wanted to hear the truth about what happened at the Pentagon. And after that, he, he retired. He was their best reporter by far. But, you know, he was uh, being asked to lie to the public. That was inconsistent with his personal integrity. Right. It has affected a whole lot of other people. Practically everyone else at CNN, for example, is notorious for their lies. I, I oh, regard yes. CNN as CIA 24-7. They are it's pathological just, liars. It's unbelievable, Michael. It's unbelievable. So, you know, he put that in there. I mean, this is a really sensational short lesson. And now you get five. Uh, 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 if I recall off the 9-11 Sandy Hook, the Boston bombing, I think San Bernardino, where we actually found the Craigslist ad for actors there, good pay, transportation, food, some speaking roles. Uh, you know, the, the call day was, as I recall, December 1st going live on the 2nd. I had a, uh, a highly qualified uh, EMT. I mean, a guy with extraordinary background. I have family near near that area, by the way. Yeah, well, that's was pretty weird. Completely fraudulent. Yeah. But the fact is, I had this EMT go through both what had happened at, at Sandy Hook and at, at San Bernardino. Sandy Hook, for example, there's no surge of EMTs into the building, no string of ambulances to rush the little bodies off to hospitals where they could be pronounced dead or alive. No medevac helicopter was called. No bodies were put on the triage tarps. I mean, the whole thing was totally fraudulent. They, the medical examiner explained they'd identified the children by photographs. Yes. That they thought it wasn't the time for the parents to come in contact with the pile of dead kids, right? Right. Now, I have children. There's no force on earth that could kept me from viewing my child if he was or she was reported to be dead. Understood, yes. But what they were doing was part of a, the elaborate scam. What They had put together images of these kids from photographs of older children when they were younger. 
so that, in fact, if you go on my blog and you look at Sandy Hook Charade, Noah Posner was Michael Vabner as a child. Michael Vabner was described by the fellow who poses uh, Noah's father. He calls himself Lenny Posner. So far as we can tell, his actual name is Leonard P, middle initial Osner. He's run together his middle initial, his last name. There was a special on Darknet. This is a show on um, Showtime, a program on Showtime, which appears to have the pattern of being one clear-cut positive view of the Internet, one clear-cut negative view of the Internet, and one that's controversial. So they did a show here recently about Sandy Hook as a controversial. They came to my home right where I'm sitting now. They interviewed me, I guess, four hours uh, and there you have me, you know, speaking right to the camera. You can actually the definition of my face there is astoundingly precise. I mean, those are some of the best, most totally authentic images of me wow. ever to be broadcast on television. But for Lenny, he wouldn't allow his face shown. He stayed in the shadows. He wouldn't let his face be shown. That's weird. Here's the, here, Here's a guy who falsely and maliciously claims he lost a son at Sandy Hook where the school was closed by 2008. There were no kids there. We prove that in a book that was banned by Amazon.com because it blows the case out of the water, which I released immediately. Yeah, nobody died at Sandy Hook, and you're saying it was a FEMA drill to promote gun control. Exactly, exactly, Michael. Correct. And anyone can Mm -hmm. download it for free. Yeah, PDF but, you know, format. I, I, I talked the family when I, 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 we don't have Showtime now. We used to have Showtime, but you know, for cutting expenses, we, we dropped Showtime and HBO or whatever. Understood. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, but the producer eventually sent me a DVD with the show. So uh, we, the whole family gathered and we watched the program. I mean, so yeah, you could find most things online if you look around. Yeah. <laughs> well, this wasn't uh, online, but anyway, yeah, you, right. you might be able to find it uh, resourceful because I mean, we found the FEMA manual online, right? And you know, so, right, right. The and, government mm-hmm. put their documents online, and for crying out loud, actually, that document belongs to the people. This was debated for by taxpayers. You, it's like the Zapruder mm-hmm. film, just to make an interesting point, Michael. Sure. The Zapruder film, for which the family was paid millions and millions of dollars, actually is a product of government. Government work. It was totally revised at Hawkeye Work, which is a secret government lab adjacent to Kodak headquarters in Rochester, New York, which means that the Zapruder film was never entitled to copyright. It always belonged to the people because it was a product of a government. Yes, and you just reminded me uh, about something. Uh, CBS ran that story on Sandy Hook, and of course you took to their comment section. Uh, are those comments still up, Jim? Well, I'll tell you something just dumbfounding to me. They have let this comment section run. It's got nearly 200 comments now. And there's been, oh, I've got at least 20 comments up there, and they're devastating, taking apart the case. Let, let me give you an example of, of, of one. Certainly. Go ahead. Yeah. Got put up. It's just so damn fascinating. Oh, you should see some of the comments I get on YouTube. My God. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, so this is about this. They, they rebroadcast this special about Sandy Hook, which is called Return to Newtown Four Years Later. And, of course, the event happened in 2012 and is now 2017, which is five years, which is one way you can tell, obviously, it's a rerun of something they ran last year. Well, it, it features several sets of parents, and the most conspicuous, the central, are a couple by the name of uh, David and Francine Wheeler. 
Now, I am, as a matter of personal opinion, convinced they ran this, meaning re-ran it, because an article, a calculation by a guy who's a certified teacher of history, economics, and mathematics by the name of Carl Herman, who regularly publishes on Washington's blog, had taken uh, some figures uh, about the age of the Sandy Hook mothers when they gave birth, because they, they, it, it turns out the average age of the 20 Sandy Hook mothers is 36. But the average age of mothers in the country is 26. And uh, he uh, calculated the statistical improbability of the group of 20 Sandy Hook mothers having the average age of 36 to be 1.109.4 quadrillion. 109.4 quadrillion to one. And, you know, embedded with a whole lot of other stuff about Sandy Hook. I think this made quite a powerful impression. In fact, the Millennium Report published it, uh, under the heading of a, a, a new angle, uh, uh, about Sandy Hook. Right. I see. Yeah. It is. It's completely fresh. So this was basically damage control. Yes. For right. them to rebro- rebroadcast? Mm. Exactly. That's yeah. what it was. Damage control. And, 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 uh, I mean, that, that particular article, uh, that it was a blog. See, I published it as a blog on jamesfetzer.blogspot.com. And the Millennium Report picked it up. State of the Nation picked it up. Uh, Cosmic Convergence picked it up. It's got around a good number of places and it makes a powerful impact embedded there. I mean, among other many points. I mean, I give links. There are links in that article, five of my articles, uh, several about this exchange, this so-called debate between Megan Kelly and <coughs> Alex Jones. Oh, no. Where they featured one of the San Diego parents. His name is Neil Haslin. And he, he came on in this little clip that only runs about two minutes to say how he lost his son at Sandy Hook and he ha- had held him in his arms with a bullet through the head. Well, this is nonsense. Remember, as I already mentioned, Wayne Carver explained they didn't let the parents come into contact with the children. Correct. So this was a huge gap. He forgot the script. Even when he was in Washington, D.C., giving his emotional testimony, he brought this huge framed photograph of him and Jesse. Well, Jesse was, I don't know, maybe two or three years old in that photograph. He wasn't even six. But but if you added three years to Jesse and, and maybe one more for the time it took between the shooting and coming on, the the, the Neil Haslin in, in the frame photograph is overwhelmingly younger. In other words, the Neil Haslin is testifying is much, much more than four years older, maybe 14 minimally, maybe even more. I mean, this was a point I made at the time when he was testifying that you had a very interesting juxtaposition of of this much younger Neil Heslin with his son Jesse, he claims to have held in his arms with a bullet through his head, and the the, the Neil Heslin who's testifying, who is not just four years older, but much older, maybe 24 years older. I mean, you look at it, and you're really blown away if you stop and think about it. And this 10-year discrepancy, of course, turns out to be a function of them having taken uh, the the photographs of these kids when they were 10 years younger in order to create fictional kids to die at Sandy it's Hook. Really, it's really bizarre. It is. It is. They, boy, the time and effort they put into this thing is unbelievable. And I'm sure they're very, very upset that I and my colleagues have been blowing it apart. 
Because, I mean, the decimation is virtually complete. Yeah, and your book was banned from Amazon. And what is that like for you, by the way? Did they send you some sort of letter telling you that the material was insensitive? No, they just said I violated their guidelines, which I hadn't done. I mean, the book was produced by a subsidiary of Amazon called CreateSpace. The book had been up for a month. It was in conformity with all their guidelines. It had sold nearly 500 copies. Now, frankly, Michael, there are very few books that sell 500 copies in a month. This was destined to be a runaway bestseller. What they did was to have an intervention. I was contacted by uh, Inside Edition, a TV show, claiming they wanted to interview me about our research, but they wanted to have a pre-interview first. Uh Uh-oh. And yeah, and I immediately found myself in which I, what I'm convinced was a basement operation at Langley, where I was being grilled, given the thir- third degree about the evidence we have. And I started to outline how we've been able to prove that the school was loaded with asbestos and other biohazards damaged by hurricane had been abandoned by 2008. There were no kids there. Is that is that all you got? That we got the photograph taken by the Newtown B reporter Shannon Hicks. Uh, that appears to show a policewoman leading a string of maybe 15 kids to safety, but that it, there turns out to be a second photograph taken earlier in which you have parents in the foreground casually looking on with their hands in their pockets, their arms folded while she rearranges the kids to get a better shot. So in the earlier photograph, you got a little girl in a pink sweater and a short skirt at the front of the line, but after they rerun, it's a, a, a boy who's taller in a dark sweater and blue jeans. And, you know, you just wouldn't do that. If you're fleeing to safety, you don't stop to rearrange the kids to get a better shot. Who would have thought of, uh, you know, you got a shooting massacre going on saying, I better get on the phone and get some parents down here. I mean, right. it's idiotic. Right. The whole thing is blown apart. And Shannon Hicks has admitted taking both photographs. And he, then he'd say, is that the best you got? And I'd say, well, we got 50 photographs of them furnishing an empty house to serve as the Adam Lonzo resident, including a photograph of the what's supposed to be the Nancy Lonza uh, bedroom where Adam is supposed to have shot her multiple times in the head with a 22 caliber rifle. And you can see a little red stuff on the bed, but it's not blood. I think it might be raspberry jam. You can see some papers on the wooden chest at the foot of the bed <clears throat> because they were keeping records of how they were furnishing the homes. And then the very same Kelly Watt I mentioned before, uh, who has her own commercial and home cleaning service spotted a blue moving pad beneath the leg of the bed that in their haste they forgot to remove. Is that all you got? Is that the best you got? Well, we got 50 more photographs of the school being refurbished to serve as a stage, including a photograph of the SWAT team already there. And just above the roof, you can see a string of four windows that after the event would be shot out, but here are undamaged. So this is before the event has taken place. You come down the flagpole, which is at full mast, and there's a familiar figure leaning against the wall with his arms folded, awaiting the arrival of his portable mortuary tent, none other than Wayne Carver. And there's crime scene tape up for a crime that is yet to be committed. Is that all you got? Well, we got the FEMA manual for the two-day drill with the uh, rehearsal on the 13th going live on the 14th, which explains why we had porta-potties already in place. We had pizza cartons and bottled water at the firehouse, why we had so many there with name tags color-coded on lanyards, why we had parents bringing kids to the scene. No parent 
Michael would ever bring their child to the scene of a child shooting massacre. That's but true. This was the rehearsal. They were treating it as right. a festification. And there was even a portable sign that says everyone must check must in. Check well, in. in the manual yeah. it says everyone must check in. And, of course, food and, and re- restrooms and refreshments are a standard part of a FEMA drill. Uh, and they, they identify the players by color-coded name tags on lanyards. So once you realize this was a FEMA drill, the evidence falls into place. 60 Minutes should do a piece on you, Jim. Well, you see, they're part of the the cover-up. They're part of the establishment. Now, what what has happened here? A friend of mine who's very, very uh, insightful believes that they have concluded that the whole thing is going to come out and that they want to find a way to save face and that by letting this discussion thread take place, uh, the whole thing's being blown out of the water. And they can say, well, you know, belatedly, now they have learned that, in fact, it was a it was a two day FEMA drill that the. The parents made out like bandits, and the kids were made up out of photographs of other kids when they were younger, which explains also why there's this bizarre age gap and the average age of the Sandy Hook mothers versus mothers across the country, and they can find themselves a way out. That is his interpretation. He might be right. Here's here's the one I was going to read, the comment I read. This is one of my most recent comments. When I put this up, there were 193. Okay? My goodness. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm sure right now there must be 200 or more. Uh, but yeah, okay, this was my comment, which was the top comment at the time. The couple that receives the most attention in this special is David and Francine Wheeler. As I explained in my demand for equal time, submitted to CBS for its 60-minute Sandy Hook sob story, which you can access by title, I observed that, one, Francine Wheeler was the personal assistant to Maureen White, who was the leading Democratic Party fundraiser. Two, that she and David are both B-grade actors with film credits, where Sandy Hook is their foremost role. Three, that David played two parts at Sandy Hook, that of a grieving father and that of a SWAT team member. Dressed in uniform, he walked up and down Dickinson Drive carrying an AR-15 upside down by the magazine. The President of the United States flew them and other anti-gun lobbyists who were masquerading as Sandy Hook parents to Washington, D.C. and put the wheelers on national television from the Oval Office, a gesture he also extended only, only to Vice President Biden, from which they made an impassioned plea for gun control. Do you see the pattern here? They faked Sandy Hook to instill fear into American parents so they would demand gun control and promote a political agenda. This was a Barack Hussein Obama production. Oh, my. Yes, and that reminded me of an email you sent me, the Antifa manual that was found on campus. That was um, rather interesting, too. I've never seen that before. Well, let me just follow up by saying if you go to that particular blog, my, which I have submitted to CBS, by the way, this demand for equal time, submitted to CBS for a 60-minute Sandy Hook sob story. You'll find I've got a story. It was originally published by James Tracy about Francine being a personal assistant to the leading Democratic Party fundraiser. I give you a video showing Francine and David both in various roles, and one he's putting a gun up to his head because he's going to blow out his brains. In another... You see her dancing with a band. It's kind of childish. Would you believe she even did the voiceover for an animated porn film? My goodness, she did. Yeah. 
And then I give you one of the videos, and there are many there, where you can see David <laughs> Wheeler walking up wow. and down Dickinson Drive carrying an AR-15 upside down by the magazine. That There was a response from one of the shills there because they're coming on desperately trying to, you know, minimize what uh, we have been publishing uh, uh, in in the comments here, saying that this had been identified as an FBI agent of a certain name who has a certain vague similarity, but he doesn't have this distinctive mole that David Wheeler has on his left cheek. His, his, the, the resemblance is not as straightforward as it is with David Wheeler. If you superimpose the f- faces, you'd find they're identical. And a guy who is trained like an FBI agent would never carry uh, an AR-15 upside down by the magazine. I mean, magazines, after all, designed to be quickly uh, removed and reloaded. I mean, if you're in combat, you know, your life could depend upon it. Yeah, nobody so legit. Only a complete right. neophyte who knows nothing about weapons would carry yeah. AR-15 upside down by nobody the magazine. Would, right. If it's David Wheeler, mm-hmm. not this FBI guy, they want to claim it really was. Yeah, nobody would actually handle a gun that way that is actually certified no. to carry it's, that's moronic. That's a little odd now that you mentioned it. Well, of course. I mean, it's stunning. I have a license to carry, so I know the routine. So, so do I. So, but get, get, mm-hmm. get, get, get this, Michael. <laughs> wow. Discus, which manages the discussion boards, uh, I think automatically sent out a, a, a blast. And this had to go to millions. A blast. Top conversations on CBS News. Discus. Return to New Camp, Newtown four years later. And, and it's got one of mine right off the bat. James Henry Fetzer, Friday, August 11th, when they sent the, the first edition included a description of the, the photo with the SWAT team in place where the, before the event where the windows of classroom 10 are not yet shot out, which, and one from uh, Mr. October 77, who's one of the shills. If Michael and Noah have the same mother, Noah at six looking like Michael when he was six would make a lot of sense. Half-brothers can look alike, you know. Well, I have one full brother, four half-brothers, and a half-sister, and none of us look alike. I mean, this is just, just ridiculous, you know. Oh, they're goodness, doing what yes. they can. They're scraping the bottom of the barrel because they can't do better. But get this. Discus sent out this blast to millions of people who follow CBS News. I mean, it's just incredible how this has fallen out. Yeah, it's interesting. And by the way, have you spoke to Wolfgang Helbig? Y- yeah, I spoke to him. Most recently, I think about 10 days or two weeks ago. But Wolfgang's oh, okay. doing, Wolfgang's doing he's, pretty well. He's Let me good. just add, by the okay. way, some, a story here in relation to what we've already discussed. Uh, Wolfgang was a, a, a prominent uh, national school safety expert, uh, part of an institute. Because he has been pursuing the truth about Sandy Hook, believe it or not, they have fired him. They have separated from Wolfgang. And let me give you an illustration of what he was doing. He only got into this in the first place because he wanted to learn what happened at Sandy Hook so he could advise other school systems on how to avoid it, how to avoid it. What could be a more intelligent undertaking for a school safety expert than to figure out what actually happened when you have this great school shooting massacre to help other school systems avoid it? He he made preliminary inquiries, for FOIA requests, phone calls, one of them was about who delivered the porta potties, and he was stunned. They wouldn't even give him information about who delivered the porta potties. And you have to ask yourself, well, why in the world? It's obvious now. They couldn't tell him who delivered the porta potties because they were delivered on the 13th, not the 14th, and it would have blown the whole thing open. 
So they sandbagged him. Now, that's not the right thing to do with Wolfgang. He, he's a former Florida State trooper. He's a former U.S. Customs agent. He's been the principal of a school. And, of course, in his role as a school safety expert, he was performing due diligence, fulfilling his obligations in that role to find out what happened at Sandy Hook. Yeah, he seems like a normal guy. So, so here's the deal. They stonewalled him. Uh, they wouldn't respond to his FOIA requests. They wouldn't return his phone calls. Uh, he actually found two homicide detectives from the local uh, uh, police department on the f- front steps of his home in a gated community, telling him they were there on behalf of the Connecticut State Police, and that if he did not lay off on Sandy Hook, they would prosecute him. I mean, you see, you want to understand how they're trying to shut everyone up. In fact, That's there were terrible. local residents on the scene who were observing They thought it was very peculiar that any kids were there because the school had been closed years ago. But then you had this Lieutenant Paul Vance of the Connecticut State Police announcing that anyone who challenged the official narrative would be prosecuted. And guess what? It turns out when 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 uh, Infowars published a story about the banning of the book, uh, which was up for 38 minutes and had uh, 138 comments already. Wow. Uh, where they used that same photograph of the SWAT vehicle there where the windows are undamaged in the background. So you, and the, the crime scene tape was up for a crime that is yet to be committed. I'm certain it was taken down because it gives the image credit, Connecticut State Police. The Connecticut State Police were running this thing, Michael, they were the ones who who staged, you know, the, took the home and filled it with furniture. It, it's so obviously an uninhabited home that's simply been furnished uh, because it doesn't have anything on the walls. It doesn't have photographs on the wall. It doesn't have all the personal stuff. It doesn't have the little paraphernalia, the little knickknacks, all the kind of things. You go and look around your house, and, and if you subtracted all the little knickknacks, all the thing that personalized it, that's what you have at this house. It, it, that they furnished to, to serve as the Nancy, as a Adam Lanza resident. Even Adam Lanza appears to be completely fictional. It, it, if you've ever seen a photograph of a non-existent person, it's that photograph of Adam Lanza who looks so peculiar with his bowl cut haircut. I mean, it, it, it's basically, in my opinion, they took a skull and they started painting over it so that it would have a subliminal, you know, suggestive of, of, of death. But, I mean, that's not a real person. This whole thing was a scam from the beginning to the end. And the Connecticut State Police were taking photographs of the parking lot, everything else. They took photographs of the moving vans coming in. I mean, we got 50 photographs of this in the the book you can download for free. Download it for free. I mean, I'm telling you, there it is. I I knew as soon as they banned the book, Michael, that this was totally political if I tried to contest what they claimed they were doing when it had been produced by a subsidiary, when it satisfied all their conditions, it would be dragged out. It would go nowhere. They'd tie it up. I was going on that night with Jeff Rents by coincidence. And when I got on with Jeff, I announced I'd release the book for free. And he put it up on his website. And a friend has told me it has had millions of downloads. Now, that's just utterly fascinating yeah. because... You know, the book might have sold wow. 20, 30,000, who knows? I mean, maybe more, but it means it's been downloaded because it's free by millions of people. By and the, this makes yes. one of the reasons why 
uh, there seems to be a, a, a turn in the public attitude toward conspiracy theorists. And, and it's really damn interesting, which is why I mentioned this, uh, you know, this blog I just did, which is the re, re, republication of an old blog that had been on Washington's blog, but it's completely brilliant. Uh, you know, are conspiracy theorists nuts? And, uh, you know, I, I embedded four different videos. One about me, why I, Jim Fetzer, am a conspiracy theorist. Uh, this one about false flags from 9-11 to Sandy Hook and beyond. And then the two hour about JFK and the two hour about 9-11. And believe me, these represent the, the current state of research. In other words, after all these years, I never got around to mentioning that before I retired from the, the Duluth campus of the University of Minnesota, that I had founded Scholars for 9-11 Truth in right. December of that year. Uh, I had already organized, with the support of the University of Minnesota, two conferences on JFK. I would chair two others in Dallas, co-chair actually, and then organize and chair yet another on the 50th observance, uh, actually, of, uh, of, uh, in Santa Barbara, where he and Jackie honeymoon. So in 2013, which was the 50th observance of the assassination, I don't like to call it an anniversary. Correct. There's all these things you like to remember. Sure. So I've chaired five national conferences and two of them were actually financed by the University of Minnesota, which showed it was very sympathetic to my work. Correct. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty. I, I, mm-hmm. Yeah. I did that work in uh, the 10 articles about Paul Wellstone and published a co-authored book with Don Foros Jacobs, a Native American scholar who used to be affiliated with Northern Arizona University. By the, uh, by the before, way, uh, Jim. Before but, I retired, mm-hmm. in fact, November that year, Michael, I gave yes. three parts. I did a, I did a, a, a JFK, I did a 9-11 and I did a Wellstone, a three part, an hour apiece. Uh, at a big, uh, you know, theater on the campus of, of the University of Minnesota Duluth. By, by the way, Jim, there's a question for you. Someone from the chat room is asking, um, sure. where you believe the kids and teachers are who weren't killed. Well, no one was killed. The kids were made up. They're imaginary. The, 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 the parents, here's something else. We have photographs where they overplayed their hand. They photoshopped in. Uh, the kids when they were younger with the kids when they're older in the background. And you can easily see, I mean, there's a photograph of like, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, uh, about nine older kids. But they put in the foreground four of the kids who are supposed to have died in Sandy Hook, uh, a little boy and three girls. And you can just tell by looking at them, the little boy is the older one on the right. And the three girls in the back on the left or the three other girls are not quite in the same order. But I mean... They overplayed their hand. Nobody died at Sandy Hook. I, I can't em- emphasize it enough. And that's the it's title like, of the book, by the like, way, folks. It's like the bloody passengers on the 9-11 aircraft. None of those aircraft crashed. Two of them weren't even in the air. They weren't even in the air, yes. And we're going to go over that. So yes. you can go, you can, right. you know, chase your tail as long as you want. What, what happened to the passengers on Flight 11, which hit the North Tower? Well, it wasn't even in the air. So nothing happened to them. They made up a list of names. Yeah, let, let's let, yeah, let, let's go how, back. How really, challenging mm-hmm. is it right. for our intel agencies <laughs> to make up a list of names? Yes. And Flight 93 was uh, 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 what's supposed to have crashed in Shanksville was found by pilots for 9/11 Truth to have been over Champaign, uh, Urbana, Illinois after it had crashed. Flight 175 was over Harrisburg and Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, long after it's supposed to have hit the South Tower. 
nobody died on planes that didn't crash, which means that there were no uh, uh, Islamic terrorists who hijacked the planes and caused them to crash because none of them crashed. By the way, and Jim, yeah, I thought I thought we could. Half a dozen these guys turned up alive and well, made contact with the British media the following day. Correct, and Jim, I, I did want to emphasize the whole uh, the whole claim that you just made right now. Because it's not exactly just a claim. You actually have evidence that these planes weren't even up in the air because you've actually checked uh, the registry uh, for for these yeah, flights. Sure. Yeah, the, the Bureau of Transportation Statistics keeps records on the takeoff and landing of every flight in the United States. And there was yes. a, a brilliant blues musician from Australia by the name of Gerard Holmgren. I wish he were alive today that I could shake his hand. was the first to notice that Flight uh, 11... North Tower and Flight 77 Pentagon were not even listed on the schedule that day. They weren't even listed. They weren't scheduled to fly. They didn't fly. They weren't in the air. They did have another plane. They flew toward the Pentagon in a whole different trajectory. Actually, there's a fascinating story. Norman Mineta, the Secretary of Transportation at the time, was in an underground bunker with Dick Cheney. When an aide came up to him and said, sir, it's 50 miles out, and, sir, it's 40 miles out, and, sir, it's 30 miles out, did the order still stand? And Cheney gets pissed off, turns up, whips his head around, says, of course the order still stands. Have you heard anything to the contrary? Norman Mineta didn't understand what he was witnessing. Uh, he gave his testimony to the 9-11 Commission. They did not include it uh, in their report. Uh, but when I was interviewed by Hannity and Combs on two different occasions, Love I made that, by the way. Mineta story in twice on both of those. Hilarious performances uh, no, by you, Jim. What, 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 Hilarious. What witnessing was a stand-down order. Cheney had given the order the plane was not to be shot down. Now, just think of how incongruous this is. The plane is heading for a target. It turns out to be it's heading for the Pentagon. Uh, if you shoot it down, you lose the passengers in the plane, but you do not you lose the property and, and, and personnel at the target. Now, this plane came in north of the Sitco station, such that a brilliant pair of investigators who call themselves the Citizens Investigative Team discovered 13 or more witnesses who saw a plane fly toward the Pentagon, but it was north of the Sitco station, whereas the official trajectory has it coming in south. So this wasn't the same plane. Not only that, but it flew toward the building and then swerved over it. Interestingly, I have a, a friend from JFK Research. He was the first who really got me hooked on some of the photographic evidence by the name of Roy Schaefer, who had a trucker buddy by the name of Dave Ball, who was in front of the Pentagon at the time. And Roy wrote me and said, he, you know, David told him that he watched a plane fly toward the Pentagon and then swerve over it. And what puzzled Roy was that, even though David witnessed this, he still believed the plane had hit the Pentagon. And I said, Roy, can I get Dave on my show? And Roy said, well, he's really reluctant to talk about it. And I said, well, Roy, look, you tell Dave that he's much better off giving his story, getting it out there, than if he doesn't. Well, Roy said he'd get a hold of Dave and see if he'd do it. But two weeks later, he's found dead in an abandoned building. I mean, this no is money. unsurprising. They're playing hardball. That's what's going on here. I mean, you know. Yes, this and by the way, Jim, I had on a previous show here, Robert David Steele, and he was blaming Dick Cheney for 9-11. Well, Dick Cheney was the executive director on 9-11. That was also the conclusion of Michael Rupert in his book, Crossing the Rubicon, going from public sources 
putting it together. Uh, my approach, of course, has been uh, scientific to analyze, you know, the, the, the best evidence uh, about the features of the building, whether or not planes could actually have, have penetrated the, uh, the, the steel supporting columns, uh, which were connected to the 47 core columns by steel trusses, which were filled to four to eight inches of concrete. It turns out no plane, no real plane, military, civilian, large, small, could have penetrated the buildings. They were too massive. The horizontal resistance would have caused them to crumble external to the building, even explode. I believe the original plan was to use remotely controlled drones. Dove Zakheim, the control of the Pentagon, at the time it went missing the $2.3 trillion, and, that, and because he's a, he's a rabbi, He's a dual U.S.-Israeli citizen. You can imagine where that $2.3 trillion went. Oh, I can imagine. He also has a company that specializes in remote control systems for aircraft. So I'm convinced that was the original plan. And it was only when they discovered that the massive design of the towers made it impossible for real planes to penetrate. So they had to fake it. That, that, and you can tell if you look at the videos, there's some 52 videos, for example, of Flight 175, what purports to be 175, approaching and hitting and passing into the South Tower. Now, pilots studied the speed of the aircraft in the, as shown in the videos, they and a whole host of other sources, and concluded that it was too fast. It was aerodynamically impossible for a Boeing 767 to travel that fast at that altitude. Uh, what they had done was to take the, the cruising speed of a 767 at 35,000 feet and use it for 700 to 1,000 feet, where the air is three times denser. You even have an affidavit by uh, John Lear, uh, the son of Bill Lear, the, who created the Learjet. John is our nation's most distinguished pilot. That's hilarious that you mentioned Mr. John Lear, because I have, I believe I have to give him a call later uh, next week. Well, he's a super guy. And oh, he yes, gave an affidavit in a lawsuit that was brought by uh, Judy Wood and her associates, which, of course, was suppressed. You got this uh, Zionist judge who is, you know, managing all the 9-11 suits to make sure they don't go anywhere because the subtitle of my book on my new book on 9-11, America Nuked on 9-11, is compliments of the CIA, the neocons, and the DOD, and the Mossad. The Mossad was deeply involved in this. In fact, 9-11 originated in the fertile imagination of Bibi Netanyahu, who wanted to design a plan that would draw the United States into wars in the Middle East to take out the modern Arab states that served as a counterbalance to Israel's domination of the entire region and eventually the Persian nation of Iran. It hasn't played out that way. And we even have a, a new article from an Israeli analyst saying that Israel was defeated in Syria. Because this was part of this plan to take out the governments of seven countries in the next five years. That didn't originate with the United States. That originated with Bibi Netanyahu. I mean, the, the, the Congress is Israel-occupied territory. Uh, Patricia, uh, Cynthia McKinney explained how when new members come to Washington, they're asked to sign a pledge to put the interests of Israel ahead oh, of yes. those of the United States. The APAC. And, yeah, and those who decline find themselves confronted with a well-financed alternative candidate. Isn't that crazy, and, by the way? Or, or that their district has been redrawn. That happened to Dennis Kucinich. Who the fact, in my that, was the fact that that even exists is atrocious. I know, I know. Smartest Holy man crap. to ever serve in Congress, at least in recent times. 
Dennis Kucinich found his district was redrawn. Cynthia McKinney had both of those thrown at her, but she overcame and was able to serve eight terms in the, as a, in the House of Representatives. But the fact is, John Kennedy had the precursor of APAC, which was then known as the Jewish World uh, Council, registered as a foreign agent. They didn't like it. And after his assassination, uh, no president has had the balls to require that APAC be registered, even though it's clearly the instrument of a foreign agent. I mean, they're going after, uh, you know, Paul Manafort for, you know, business dealings he had with Russian banks and companies before he became a part of the Trump campaign. And they want to make him out to be an agent of a foreign government. It's simply absurd. They wanted to, you know, there's so much bullshit going on out there. It is frightening. And the, 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 the public, I think, is gradually, gradually waking up. There was no Russian hacking. Actually, the whole Russian hacking meme was made up by John Podesta and, and, uh, Robbie Moak, who are Hillary's campaign managers within 24 hours of her concession speech to explain away the miserable conduct of her campaign, which never caught on with the public. I mean, she's perhaps the most corrupt candidate to ever run for our nation's highest office, and that's going some because Lyndon had a personal hitman who murdered a dozen people on his behalf, including one of his own sisters, and was the pivotal player in having JFK taken out. In fact, he forced himself on the ticket so they could take out Jack so he could ascend to the presidency. I mean, that's even sent his chief administrative assistant, Cliff Carter, down to Dallas to make sure all the arrangements were in place for the assassination. It's that bad. We know how the DNC emails got to Julian Assange. Seth Rich was an IT guy for the DNC. He supported Bernie Sanders. He was disillusioned by their sabotaging his campaign. I have an expert statistician named Richard Charnin with whom I published articles about the difference between uh, vote fraud, you know, voting more than once, an election theft, you rigging voting machines, where he discovered that five different elections right here in Wisconsin had been rigged, and where he also determined that 13 of the uh, the primaries were wrongly given to Hillary when Bernie had actually won them. Seth Rich gave his treasure trove of emails uh, to Julian Assange by way of Craig Murray, who was an Intel guy, uh, head of a college and UK ambassador to Uzbekistan. They both acknowledge that the emails were leaked. They both have acknowledged they know the leaker. He was not Russian. When Seth Rich was taken out in retaliation, in my personal opinion, is that that was directed by John Podesta, who we know said he wanted to make an example of a leaker and he didn't even care if the evidence wasn't conclusive. Well, an example correct, was, yes. was made of Seth Rich. Yeah, those uh, WikiLeaks were very interesting, by the way. Oh yeah, they were real interesting. About all the revelations about uh, 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 about uh, 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 PizzaGate. Do you think? uh, By the way, do you do you think Hillary would have done better if she would have been honest about some of her um, private opinions? They're a lot different than her public opinions. Well, no, you know, you got her saying that you have to have a private opinion, a public opinion. The pr- trouble is he was, she was giving the pablum to the public and she was giving the real deal to the private bankers and all that who were giving her $250,000 for these speeches. She's as corrupt as they come. She's using, insane, by the way. Huh? She's insane. Well, she was using, you know, there's a history of corruption with the Clinton Foundation 
Uh, she was using her position as Secretary of State to make money personally. Uh, for uh, uh, Wayne Madsen, in whom um, my confidence has been severely shaken because he's been covering up for the uh, Sandy Hook, the Boston bombing, uh, San Bernardino and all that. But at one point, he published a very good blog, and I give people credit when they do good work, just as I fault them when they do bad. Correct. He he had a list of 50 different contributions that were made on a pay-for-play basis, a perfect illustration of which is $75 million was given to the Clinton Foundation by Australia in return for strong Department of State support for the Trans-Pacific Partnership, which they believed would be a economic boon to Australia. They paid, she did. I've made the observation before that 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 a prostitute gives sexual favors in return for money. Hillary was giving political favors in return for money. She's a political prostitute or more concisely a political whore. Oh, did I lose you? No, you didn't lose me. I thought I lost you. Oh no, I was like, uh oh, they could did, did somebody take him out? No, nah. No, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I mean, it's just outrageous. Uh, it what really we've is got going on here. It's yeah. pretty wild. I mean, let's not forget the we, whole Jeffrey Epstein episode with, with Donald Trump. That friendship there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's trouble. We can't forget but that. Honestly, look, there have been a huge number of pedophile ring busts since Trump became president. I think he's working from the ground up. I can't deny that. That's true. I I believe he's been boxed in by the generals. Steve Pachenik was trying to explain to Alex Jones, the most interesting segment of recent times, that Alex was giving a kind of a conventional explanation for Trump uh, going, you know, increasing troop strengths in Afghanistan and so forth. I'm actually not very happy about that, and I'm, I'm glad well, you brought not. that up. Who, I mean, would, it's, me? it's, a, it's, a contradiction. it's a waste of men and money. It's bullshit. Well, it's worse than that. It's well, really, I was being light, but yes. Yeah, well, I mean, what I mean is it strikes at the heart of the core of his support. Studies by uh, by the University of Minnesota and Boston University now show that Trump won because there were many of these rural counties that had suffered casualties from these wars in the Middle East who judged he was the candidate least likely to continue the wars. Not, they weren't taking anything for granted. They just felt he was the one of the two who was the less likely to continue these wars. And actually did unfund a CIA program for the rebels in Syria. He did support a, a ceasefire agreement in, in uh, 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 an eastern part of Syria. Syria has basically come through intact. Uh, I find it embarrassing. They have figures like Rachel Maddow, over whom so many Democrats, including my wife, continue to swoon when she is attacking Putin and Russia for non-existent efforts to affect our election when we're in Syria attempting to depose a democratically elected president of Syria. It, she doesn't get it. But the reason is, that, that, oh, that, that, I you see. know, I just explained that CNN is 24-7 CIA. Uh, MSNBC is the light version, the feminist version of CNN. Is that what your wife's watching? Oh, yeah. So please, both please, so please, both look, you and your yeah. wife have deferring um, political opinions, correct? We've been married for 40 years, and we've never had intense arguments such as we've had over Trump and 
MSNBC, oh which I can no longer abide. It makes yeah. me see. Mad. See now, this is interesting because this is something that's been happening all over the all over the world. The, oh, this whole arg- these arguments, yes, I mean, I between couples, wife, right? I, I want my family to after forty years. <laughs> uh, I, I, this is a considerable yes. investment, but I mean, we have had the worst fights of our of our of our marriage. Tell me more. This is music to my ears, Jim. Well, it's utterly fascinating. She can't wait to hear Rachel, who makes me w- w- want to vomit. Oh my goodness, uh, and, this is funny. You know, Chris Matthews <laughs> is such a moron. I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, he's he, he's very articulate and quick. And True. That, you know, yes. Those are typically interpreted as signs of intelligence, but he's profoundly ignorant, or he has massive blind spots. He still thinks that Lee Oswald shot JFK. He still thinks nine eleven was done by, you know, 19 Islamic terrorists. He still doesn't acknowledge that Trump was right about the turnout for the inauguration. They actually used photographs taken earlier in the day when the the National Park was keeping uh, spectators out of the areas that would have been covered right up to the Washington Monument in order to produce photographs and make it look like he had a smaller crown. There's no question that worldwide he had the largest viewing audience. But he's also right about actual uh, v- voter fraud. I mean, I did this with uh, Richard Charnin about election theft, and uh, Charnin has, you know, much more to say about these issues. But it turns out that uh, uh, 11 counties in California have more registered voters than they have eligible residents of the county. Mm. It turns out that Jerry Brown, Governor Moonbeam, signed a motor voter law in 2015, that sounds great because what it means is when you get your driver's license, you're automatically registered to vote. But get this, illegal aliens are allowed to obtain driver's licenses in California. Yeah, so they, I heard. We we lost our minds. I don't support that at all, by the way. I just want to make well, that clear. You know, so they were automatically registered to vote. Get this, Barack Obama went on a Latino station, and when the, the, the woman... Uh, asked him, you know, said a lot of a lot of Latinos would like to vote for you, but they're worried that their documents will be reviewed and they'll be found out. And he said, no, no, he said, that doesn't happen. He says, and when you're in the voting booth, you are a citizen, ignoring the difference between performing the function of a citizen and being legally entitled to perform it. So there was Barack Obama on a national TV station subverting the Constitution, violating his oath of office. He's done this many, many other times. I mean, look, ISIS was created by the United States. Uh, Michael. That was a CIA operation. Well, get this. Michael Flynn was the head of the Defense Intelligence Agency when John Brennan is head of the CIA. Hillary Clinton, Secretary of State, Barack Obama president, decided to create ISIS. The whole idea was to put additional pressure on Syria. Uh, The defeat of Israel over Syria is enormous because... All this, taking out the governments of seven countries in the next five years, is to pave the way for the expansion to the greater Israel that takes up about half of Syria, all of Lebanon, all of Jordan. Uh, you know, I mean, to create this this Zionist dream come true. It's big uh, money, though, Jim. Uh, you know, that war means money. Well, that's a whole other matter. That yeah, I the military-industrial complex well, just, yes, here, right. Uh, about the generals in the White House. See, my problem isn't that the generals are there. My problem is that the generals have a Cold War mentality that was nurtured between 1945 and 1990. 
during which we were, you know, in a state of mutually assured destruction with the Soviet Union. The Soviet Union was regarded as a great menace. Uh, the Vietnam War was uh, justified on the ground that we had to stop the expansion of international godless communism, even though Vietnam was fiercely independent. Ho Chi Minh was a nationalist. Ho Chi Minh was fiercely opposed to the Chinese. There wasn't any possibility of the dominoes falling in, in Southeast Asia. That was complete rubbish. That was concocted by Henry Kissinger, who may be responsible for more deaths worldwide than anyone save Maybe Joseph Stalin, who I think put Adolf Hitler to shame. Stalin was responsible for overwhelmingly more deaths, I would submit, than Adolf Hitler. But I there are big so. timers. Well, yeah. Henry Kissinger is up there in the big leagues, too, let me just say. And he, he's still around. He's still around. He's still free and open. And A lot of these people are still around, Jim. That's well, why. It's really, it's really yeah, disgusting. It, it is. We have been so, so vastly betrayed. But here's the point I'm coming to, Michael. Mm -hmm. Because they have this old Cold War mentality, they're distrustful of Russia when they should not be distrustful of Russia. Vladimir Putin is the only reason we're not already in World War III. Uh, George Soros and and uh, uh, Victoria Nuland, who was a, a assistant secretary of state, engineered a coup in the Ukraine. Uh, there was uh, five billion U.S. five hundred million Soros money went into foment trouble there. Uh, and drive out the democratically elected president of Ukraine so they could install a puppet. That's what's been going on with Charlottesville. Yes, and we'll get into that, yes. Get, get, get this. The, the, both the Antifa and, the, and, and the, the Black Lives Matter came in on the same bus. Paid That's more what I, course. yeah, I was going to bring that up to you, that the whole, um, to both sides actually were seen coming in on one bus. Get this. Chelsea Clinton is married to a nephew of George Soros. Really? I didn't know that. And the whole thing in Charlottesville was a complete sham. There were two different vehicles. There were two different drivers. There were two different takes. One of them had, uh, by the way, three cars involved. The other had only one. The photograph where you see a guy seemingly flying in the air was photoshopped. All the banners in the background, they weren't present when these events took place. By the way, now, Jim, there were, there were Craigslist ads, by the way. I, I That would not surprise me at all. I haven't seen the Craigslist ads for this yet, but there's a Craigslist ad we found for uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, for, if I can pull it up here, I'll read it, between the 27th and the 30th. They're planning events right now in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yeah, it's scary. Craigslist ad, right. Now, there are three really excellent video studies of Charlottesville that I've sent many places. I'll mention a few of them. One is entitled Charlottesville False Flag Theory, Something Strange is Going On. Graphic content. This is a brilliant woman who has a cat, a talking cat representing her. It's absolutely charming, and it just points out all kinds of anomalies, including the two different drivers. We, we captured images of the driver of the vehicle. He does not look like the Patsy. It was a 20-year-old uh, named James Fields who uh, has been diagnosed as a schizophrenic on antipsychotic drugs and who wears dark prescription glasses. The actual driver was a guy, get this, his name is also James Fields, except the Patsy's James A. Fields, this guy's James G. Fields, he's 32 years old, he's a military veteran. He has the ability of a stunt car driver, I'll tell you, when I watched a video of that car backing up so straight, so fast, I was dumbfounded. I couldn't have done it. That was a professional driving ability. 
the driver structure, eyes, eyebrows, general features of the head face, it was the 32-year-old. It wasn't a 20-year-old. And he wasn't wearing prescription glasses either. That's one you want to check out. Here's another. The real deal, Oli and Jim from Virginia to Spain. Uh, I saw some of that, by the way. Good. Yeah, good. good. It was yeah. good. Yeah. Oh, oh, well, Oli Domagard is a brilliant guy. He's yes, tracked he is. many of these false flag cases. He and Nick Kohlerstrom are the two international figures. Where Nick has a brand new book at moonrockbooks.com entitled The uh, Chronicles of False Flag Terror, A European Perspective, where he goes through 13 different events in Europe and in the UK where he was the one who cracked the London 7-7 subway bombing by discovering that the train from Luton, that the four young lads who had been recruited to participate in a drill, or that's what, so they understood, could not have been present at the tube stops when the explosions took place exactly in accordance with a drill that had been planned by one Peter Power, and where there's a brilliant one hour entitled 7-7 ripple effect by a guy whose name is Maud Dim. Uh, who has some funny theological views, but has given an absolutely devastating account from beginning to end how the whole thing was arranged and manufactured, killing people. This is one where they really did kill people. The explosions, which were supposed to have been in backpacks inside the carriages, would have blown the metal down and out. Instead, the metal's blown upward and inward, meaning the explosives were underneath the tubes, the, 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 the subway trains. But what, what, what Nick discovered was a train from Luton that they would have had to take to be at the tube stops in time had been canceled that day. There was no way they were anywhere in the vicinity. So that his book, Terror on the Tube, which is now in its third edition, is the leading exposition of what happened. But now he's expanded to 13 others. Oli and I have done a great deal of work on this. There's a third, the Charlottesville PSYOP with Jim Fetzer and Dean Ryan. Something very interesting that uh, Oli points out is that the two vehicles that are in the intersection have no drivers. And that's because the car is coming in to crash in behind them. And therefore, you don't want the drivers to suffer whiplash, have their necks broken, whatever. So they just took the drivers out of the car. Yeah, there is that also. Uh, there's also that a uh, photograph that seems to be photoshopped. Oh, sure. Yeah, the photograph of the of the of the crash, and you got these guys flying in the air. And yeah, all the in the I don't remember of- seeing that. That was a manufactured photograph. That wasn't real. You look at the video of the attack, and there are none of those banners there. And in fact, in one instance, you've got only one car involved. In the other instance, you got three. I mentioned there are two cars. They're both uh, Dodge Challengers, but one has a black stripe up the middle. The other doesn't. One has a sunroof. The other doesn't. This is a huge camp. Now, if someone would like to view those three videos, I embedded them in a brilliant article that first appeared in American Thinker by a woman named Patricia McCarthy, Charlottesville and its Aftermath. What if it was a setup? You go to my blog, and I think you can get there just by doing Charlottesville and its aftermath, comma, jamesfetzer.blogspot.com, and you'll find all three of those videos are embedded. You watch. Watch any of them. Better yet, watch all three. You won't have any doubt about it. Let me just add, by the way, about my taking due diligence. I studied, I sent an email to 70... The University of Virginia, where I myself taught twice as a visiting associate professor in 77, 78, but as a visiting professor, spring of 84, 85, 
I, they must have the largest Department of History in the country, maybe in the world. Because I sent an email entitled, Three Studies of Charlottesville, Two Cars Plus, Two Drivers Plus, Two Takes Equals Completely Fake, to 75 members of the Department of History at the University of Virginia. I have since sent it to the president of the University of Virginia. I've sent it to the city council for, for Charlottesville. I have sent it to the White House. I have sent it to the FBI. Wow. I, I, yeah. Yeah, you got it really, you, yeah, got it out there. Well, I'm doing what I can to get the word out. And, you know, I've word. done many programs where I go through all this stuff. I mean, I've probably done 10 shows where I discuss this, Michael. 10 shows where I talk about this fraud in Charlottesville. And, and the problem is faculty are so timid. They're so gutless. But when they start tearing down statues, you know, we got this one complete flake woman who wants to tear down all statues of, of George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, and Robert E. Lee. I mean, it's bizarre. This was a woman who was a member of the, the Black Caucus in the Congress. I mean, this is just bizarre. Yeah, the whole statue thing, that's really not my fight. I, I could kind of care less what they do. Uh, well, I mean... Well, I, I care, but I mean, I, I don't see, uh, yes. Michael, you understand what's going on here? Oh, I understand. This it's is, just. Oh, no, no. This is a George Soros op. He, he knows from our history that the greatest conflict in, in our nation was the Civil War. Yes. He, we, it's all long since gone, but he wants to rip open the wound. He wants to reignite it. He's doing all this rubbish. He's trying to foster a coup using many of the same people that worked in Ukraine right here in the USA. Yeah, all I'm saying is I'm not exactly at all offended by any statue, really. It's just a statue. Well, of course. You're yeah. absolutely right. There's no reason you ought to be. I, yeah, I don't see anything wrong see, with they're statues. They're trying to provoke – right. Michael, they're trying mm -hmm. to provoke a response. Right. This happened, this happened initially in New Orleans. They started taking down all these famous statues, and I – I was invited onto a local show there to discuss it and how, you know, this is a detracting from the interest of uh, New Orleans. I mean, this is part of our historical legacy. Beautiful city, and, by the way. It, well, it is, but less so now because of the way in which, uh, you know, they're, they're taking down these statues. They pulled one down on the campus of Duke University. They're the... The, the the chief of police has announced they're going to go after they're studying the video and they're going to prosecute them for you know destruction of property and malicious mischief and so forth. Yeah, they were acting uh, pretty wild, by the way. There are, yeah, there's some people who are <laughs> sneaking nuts. out. I mean, yeah. I'm not a fan to cause the lees arise, but she spoke out on the removal of historical uh, statues and said it's important for Americans to keep our history before us. Rice says she does not advocate renaming or toppling statues. She explained that our history is in the past and therefore cannot be changed, but we can change the future by looking at the past. Renaming things and ignoring the past doesn't allow that. I want us to have to look at those names and recognize what they did and be able to tell our kids what they did and for them to have a sense of their own history so we can sort things out and work toward a better future. But you see this Antifa group, Yes. Which, which describes itself as anti-Nazi is in fact a, it's a fascist organization. It's not anti-fascist. What they are doing is shutting down rallies, forcing the media to show their side. There's all these techniques they talk about. If somebody opposes you, you, you condemn them as being a racist or as homophobic. Yeah, or referring being, back to that manual you, you yeah, sent me there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And, and, and this is what's going on. And there's another version of the manual that's turned up. But whether, you know, whether this is the, the authentic manual, what it is reporting about their techniques is completely accurate. This is how George Soros is running things. Here, here's a, a, a clue to what has been going on here, right? Trump argued, and this was Steve Bannon's idea, you know, America first, namely right. taking our resources and d- directing them to support the nation rather than squandering them on these foreign wars. And a, a large enough percentage of the people believed in that, that they, Trump became president rather than Hillary, notwithstanding all the efforts to rig the election in her favor. And uh, we even found, by the way, in Michigan, when Jill Stein requested the recount, that they had stuffed the ballot boxes in Michigan. There were some that had voted 95% for Hillary, and the ballot boxes had been stuffed after the polls were closed. I mean, it was that bad, Michael. But here's the key thing that's going on semantically. A guy named Jack Mullen really put his finger on it. He's got an article in Tyler Shotsville, Conspiracy in the Anti-American, Anti-White, Subversive, Hate-Promoting Mainstream Media, uh, where I made this comment because he was talking about how they were converting American first into neo-Nazi. I said, add America first equals white nationalist equals white supremacist equals neo-Nazi. So Trump, who wants to put America first, ending the wars in the Middle East, using American resources to benefit America, turns out to be a neo-Nazi by this subtle chain of propaganda disinformation. You are spot on. The public is being duped by the line of propaganda which trades on subtle changes in the meaning of phrases, these phrases, to perform a sleight of hand and tarnish Trump. We have a reporter, by the way, I don't know if I can put my finger on her report, who'd been covering Trump for a decade. And she said in all that decade, there was never a smidgen of indication that he was a racist or a supremacist or anything of that kind whatsoever. Zip, zero, zilch, not. And, of course, he's not anti-Semitic. I mean, his first wife was Jewish. Yeah, I don't think he's a racist, actually. He's, he's I, I never thought he's that. He's not a racist. Yeah. But, you see, this propaganda line uh, uh, requires promoting that. Turns out Barack Obama is furious after an historian revealed that he had ancestors who owned slaves themselves. Here's from this article. According to the research, one of Obama's great-great-great-great-grandfathers, George Washington Overall, owned two slaves who were recorded in the 1850 census in Nelson County, Kentucky. The same records show that one of Obama's great-great-great-great-great-grandmothers, Mary Duvall, also owned the slaves. And it's just unbelievable. We've got a wonderful press release, by the way, right here in Madison from the Republican Party. For the mayor, the mayor of Madison took a very fine plaque, just a plaque. It's marble. It's about, oh, I'd say it's about a yard wide. It's about a foot deep. It's about eight inches high with a plaque uh, memorializing uh, uh, 140 Confederate soldiers who are buried in the graveyard. And he just took it down. He just took it down. Now, this guy's name is Sogwin. He, he's a, kind of an old hippie. He was a mayor in the past. But, mm. I mean, this is outrageous. Well, there now, you listen. go, old hippie. Yeah, here, here, here's what they wrote. This 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 is dated August 25th. This past week, Mayor Paul Sogwin, Democrat, Madison, Wisconsin, decided to take down monuments of the Confederacy at a local cemetery. Nowhere in his public statement is there a reference to the Democratic Party. Soglin writes, we will honor our history. We will respect the dead. We will make sure that our legacy is to tell the truth 
and to remove evidence of racist historical revisionism. We will use the story of these monuments to tell the truth about a century of Jim Crow economics of oppression and those like the United Daughters of the Confederacy and the Ku Klux Klan who spread their lies far beyond the boundaries of the rebellious states. Mayor Salglin telling of this story without mention of his party's hand in this shameful chapter of American history is racist historical revisionism, said Scott Grabris, chair of the Republican Party of Dane County. According to the RPDC chair, it is bewildering that the Democrats are lying, are trying to remove statues of other Democrats from the country's public spaces, while at the same time they are calling Lincoln Republicans racist. History shows the Republicans were the party that fought to free our nation of slavery during the Civil War. We should at least give Soglin credit for calling it what it is, removing evidence. But get this. Graben said that members of the Republican Party of Dane County want to remind citizens of Dane County of a few important historical facts. The Democratic Party filibustered the Civil Rights Act of 1964 for 83 days. The Democratic leadership overwhelmingly voted against civil rights legislation in 1875, 1957, 1960, and 64. Democratic Governor George Wallace stood in the school doorway preventing blacks from attending the University of Alabama. In 2010, the Democratic leadership elected Robert Byrd, Democrat of West Virginia, to be their president pro tem of the Senate. Byrd was a former exalted grand cyclops of the Ku Klux Klan. The KKK was founded as a military arm of the Democratic Party. The record of the Democrat Party supporting slavery and segregation is part of our nation's history. That much is indisputable. Graben said the Democratic leadership has a long history of racism, lynching, discrimination, Jim Crow laws, and deception, and he would like to challenge Soglin to set the record straight. The mayor's essay takes an antiseptic wipe at the memory of American voters, first by sleight of hand, then by sheer volume of words. He, Gribbins explained, he encouraged the mayor to rewrite his recent public statement regarding the removal of Confederate statutes, taking into account the well-documented historical facts mentioned above. He suggests this alternate wording. The Democrat Party did this. We shouldn't have. We apologize for the actions of our forebearers. We know our party's past is offensive to many. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Michael, the public isn't going to go for this. Uh, I, I have seen two polls now, both of which had similar results. The question was, do you agree with the removal of Confederate statutes? Uh, one possible answer was yes, because they represent racism and should be removed. That got 2% of the vote. The second was no, because they're a part of our history. 96%. The third option was it should be left up to local leaders. That's a now, pretty I'm big whopping two figure. Polls. It's overwhelming. This is going right. to backfire. What I'm saying is this is going to backfire. The, the Democrats are going to pay for this big time. Oh, my. Yes, indeed. Very interesting times we are in. I never figured it would be like this. I know. I it's, know. it's pretty crazy. It's embarrassing. It's shocking. Well, yeah, I, you know, I think I mean, about the how the rest of the world here. perceives us, Jim. Oh, I know. They probably think we're batshit crazy. They don't understand that there's this attempt to bring about a coup, that the New York Times, the Washington Post, the major networks, CNN, MSNDC are trying to engineer a coup. You can hear, still hear talk about Russian hacking on MSNBC. It's largely gone away because of the veterans, intelligent professionals for sanity. These are people like Ray McGovern and William Binney, among the best experts on 
cybernet activities in the world. They did a study and discovered that the there was no hacking, that the download of the DNC files was to a memory stick at a speed that was much too fast to have been from a distant Russian hacking and that it was done in the Eastern time zone. Yeah, I don't think you were capable of actually hacking those computers remotely. You had to actually insert a USB a thumb drive into one of those computers to get the information. I think that's what I heard. I might be wrong. I don't know. No, no, that's what did happen. That's ah, actually okay. what did happen. Ah, ha, ha. Wow. Yes, I, I have um experience with those sort of things, but I'm not going to talk about that here on the show. Yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah, I, I, tell, yes. I, 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 I I'm telling you, it's a stunning mm-hmm. situation. I mean, you could have even Noam Chomsky, even Noam Chomsky, who is a left-wing gatekeeper, he denies that there was any funny business with JFK. He denies there was any fuzzy business with 9-11. I tell you, that is dumbfounding. It really is. And it really yeah. is. And that reminds me, by the way, before I even forget, will we see the uh, an October surprise? It seems like the whole uh, seals will be up for grabs. Um, it's going to we're, we're going to find out if if um, Mr. Trump will actually sign those documents out for the public to see all those thousands of files pertaining to what really happened to JFK that day. Well, Michael, there's a, actually you see in the wake of the film JFK, uh, which reignited so much interest in the case, Congress passed a JFK Records Act that led to the release of 60,000 files, millions of pages that had been locked up and secured for 75 years by the Warren Commission. The the 75 years turns out to coincide with the average lifespan of an American citizen. So the plan was to have none of these files revealed while anyone who had been alive at the time was still living. It didn't work because of Oliver Stone's intervention. So we got a huge amount of information, such as, for example, and this was in time for me to publish my very first collection of scientific studies, which is entitled assassination science in 1998 that Gerald Ford had re-described a wound to the back that JFK had sustained that actually was five and a half inches below the collar, just to the right of the spinal column, a shallow shot. It turns out it was fired from the top of the county records building by Dallas deputy sheriff by the name of Harry Weatherford, as I have been able to establish in others. I'm giving you the report of my research. Understood, yes. That, where he was firing a Mamluker Carcano bullet uh, from a larger caliber weapon, a .30-06. He'd obtained a special silencer just about two, two weeks before the event, and he was using a, a plastic collar known as a sabot. Jim Mars and I both agree about this, uh, and Jim, of course, has now gone on to greater things. He was a really interesting guy because of the breadth of his research. He didn't just uh, write about JFK where his book Crossfire was one of the two foundations for Oliver Stone's magisterial JFK, the other being Jim Garrison's book on the Trail of the Assassins, where, by the way, Jim Garrison also believed that Lee Oswald was in the doorway, uh, as did Harold Weisberg, one of the very first. He was in his second of his whitewash series, commonly referred to as photographic whitewash. In the last few pages, he talked about how the Warren staff was having to work overtime to conceal the fact that Lee Oswald had been in the doorway of the book depository when the motorcade went past, which, Word. of course, is the deepest secret of the assassination of them all, since it means not only can he have not been the no- lone demented gunman, he can't have even been one of the shooters. 
So we have a shirt and a jacket that show this hole, you know, five and a half inches below the collar. David Mandic even had the staff put it on and found the hole in the shirt is slightly below the hole in the jacket, which you'd expect fired from a downward angle. There's a whole lot of evidence. I actually presented a, 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 a lecture about this at Cambridge during an international conference and then published it in an international journal. You can download it, uh, reasoning about assassination. Anyone who wants to know, you, you can easily discover that there was a conspiracy merely by establishing where JFK was hit in the back. I mean, it's that simple. As I lay out in that article, which anyone can download, reasoning about assassination. And if you can't find it, write it to, write to me and I'll send it to you. Uh, the, the, the fact being that they had a problem when it turned out that they were committed to three shots. In fact, the Secret Service and the FBI agreed the day of the assassination that there'd been three shots fired and that all three had hit. Actually, there were eight, nine or ten shots fired and, you know, there were, there were four hits, possibly a fifth. David thinks there may have been an additional shot to the head. But at least we know four for sure. He was shot in the back, the one I just described. He was shot in the throat by a bullet that was fired from inside the triple underpass, past the windshield, by the man I take to be an Air Force expert by the name of Jack Lawrence, who went work to work for the automobile dealership just a few days before that put up the, the vehicles for the motorcade, which were different makes, models, and colors. Unlike any other presidential motorcade, which is all uniformly black, typically Cadillac limousines, this was all different makes, models, colors, so they'd know exactly where everyone was. But the, Jack's military ad, who would normally have sat in between the driver, William Greer, and the, the agent in charge, Roy Kellerman, would have been hit by this bullet. So they moved him to the rear, the last vehicle with the president's personal physician to make it maximally difficult should JFK need any emergency medical attention. Okay. Then after the driver pulled the limousine to the left and to a halt, he was hit twice in the head, once in the back of the head from the Daltex, where an anti-Castro-Cuban by the name of Nestor Tony Escadro fired three shots with a Mandlicker Carcano. These were the only unsilent shots fired during the assassination to set up an acoustical impression of only three shots having been fired. The weapon is so wildly unreliable, it was known as a humanitarian rifle in World War II for never harming anyone on purpose. One hit a distant curbing and injured a bystander. A chip of a concrete cut his cheek. Another missed and hit the chrome strip above the windshield and created a dent which fits a Mandiker Carcano bullet perfectly. The third, however, hit Jack in the back of the head, and he slumped forward. Jack eased him back up, was looking him right in the face, when he was hit in the right temple by a frangible exploding bullet that set up shockwaves that blew his brains out the back of his already weakened cranium with such force that when they impacted with motorcycle patrolman Bobby Hargis riding there, initially thought he himself had been shot. That was fired by uh Frank Sturgis, who is a kind of soldier fortune, worked for CIA, worked for the mob, maybe the best shot in the world at the time, who even admitted he had fired that shot to a New York Gold Shield detective by the name of Jim Rothstein, who, together with his partner, took Sturgis into custody when he came to New York with the intent to murder Marita Lawrence, who had been a mistress of Fidel, who traveled with a group of these guys to Dallas, and when she discovered what was going on, left the city so she wouldn't have anything to do with it. She was going to testify to the House Select Committee on Assassinations, and Sturgis was coming to shut her up. 
So it couldn't happen. Uh, I've spoken with uh, Jim Rothstein about it. He gave him a throwaway line about nice shooting. And he admitted he'd, he'd, he'd shot him because he had betrayed the brigade of the Bay of Pigs, which was an impression the CIA allowed to stand. It wasn't true. And that he had had dalliances with beautiful women, some of whom were spies for East Germany, which was certainly true. Uh, but where uh, uh, in one take, he actually was firing for his eye, but Jack moved slightly, so he hit him in the in the temple instead. And of course... Uh, you know, shooting people in the eye is a standard mob practice. They they actually, for the most part, like to use 22s for the reason that it enters the cranium and it's not strong enough to get outside the cranium, so it bounces around inside and does great damage to the brain. Oh, yes, and you've done a tremendous job with all your research about JFK. Uh, you have a just an abundance of information about the case that's just astonishing. Well, let me say this new blog, you know, I, I, uh, where I republished the, uh, the one, uh, from, uh, Washington's blog, uh, our conspiracy theorists nuts. I have embedded, uh, four videos. And I, I think I mentioned one is, uh, uh, that why I, Jim Fetzer, am a conspiracy theorist. That's about 16 minutes. Then there's the one about, uh, false flags from the, from, from, 9-11 to Sandy Hook and beyond. But then there are two one-hours about my latest presentation, two-hour overview on 9-11 and a two-hour overview on JFK, both of which I did with uh, Brian Rue. So they're also uh, archived on the Brian Rue show under the title uh, JFK, Who Was Responsible and Why, and 9-11, Who Was Responsible and Why. So the titles are virtually the same. But you can find them all if you go to my blog and check out, you know, this this uh, Washington's blog, uh, Our Conspiracy Theorists Nuts, and you'll find all four of those there. Yes, and I, I don't want to take up too much of your time looking at the clock here, and we've gone uh, pretty long here, but there's a few other things I, I did want to cover with you really quickly here. Roger Stone recently went on to say, uh, Jim, that any politician who votes to impeach Trump would be endangering their own life. Apparently, he set this to a TMZ. Well, I didn't hear Roger say that. Obviously, that was an appropriate remark to make. Yeah, he said uh, that violence Roger, would ensue Roger, on both sides, and both sides are heavily armed. I'm Roger's not. A, I don't know why yeah, he said well, that. Yeah, we need that. We need the context. Why did yeah. he say that? Yeah, yeah, we need the context. Yeah, no doubt. Roger no doubt. actually recent published a book. Uh, I mean, an article on his blog, which is Stone Cold Truth about the CIA's legacy of lies, where he talks about five different aspects of the history of the agency. One is Operation Paperclip, where we brought in all these Nazi scientists and uh, intel course, guys yes. and mm -hmm. integrated them in our intelligence agencies. Right. The second is that we've performed over 80 coups and assassinations around the world. I mean, that's our area of specialization. So... You know, it takes a lot of nerve for someone like Rachel Maddow to talk about, you know, Russian hacking, which didn't even take place. She's not smart enough. She doesn't know the book Shattered, where these two investigative journalists revealed that Robbie Moak and John Podesta made it up as, Rod, as Rachel Maddow behind the curve, or is she just deliberately shoveling disinformation? I mean, to me, it's very obvious which is which. The third was Operation Mongoose, where the CIA has systematically infiltrated the major media, where even 
1975, William Colby, who was then the head of the agency, testified to Congress that the CIA owns everyone of significance in the major media. Everyone. Everyone, today, yes. Today it's much, much worse. I mean, you have, you have, uh, uh, Jeff Bezos get a $600 million contract from the CIA for managing its electronic archives or whatever. It gives him enough money to buy the Washington Post to turn him into his personal propaganda organ. I mean, it's embarrassing. And the other two aspects Roger addressed were the assassination of JFK and the assassination of Bobby, and both of which the CIA played a major role. So Roger's done a lot of good work. He had this book about the Clinton's war on women that's sensational, if you've never seen it. Bill even had a, 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 a son by a black prostitute that he's kept under wraps. Uh, he has had a history of philandering and sexual abuse, rapes. Even he appears to have been thrown out of Oxford when he was a Rhodes Scholar for having raped another student. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that gets buried. Hillary is just the most disgusting person in the world, if you want my take on it. I mean, it, t t we could do two hours just discussing her her malfeasance. <laughs> Hilarious. So, anyway, what I'm saying is I, I give Roger generally very high marks. I think he's very principled. He has been an operator behind the scenes for a very long time. There That's was very a, true, yes. There was a documentary about him recently that actually was excellent that showed he was nobody's man. He couldn't be bought. He couldn't be manipulated. He just tells it like it is. He's a flawed human being like the rest of us, but I think he's done a great deal of good for the country. I think that Steve Bannon, by the way, going from uh, the inner circle back to Breitbart News uh, has a silver lining. I, I mean, he's a ferocious guy, and he's going to be to totally unfettered now by being outside of the administration to give it with both barrels when he feels it's not acting the way it should be in accordance with the campaign pledges of Donald Trump. Yeah, I'm interested to see what happens deep, there. The deep state has been so worried about Syria because it represents the culmination of this plot between Israel and the the intel agencies of the United States to keep these wars going in the Middle East, not only to expand to the greater Israel, but to keep the gravy train rolling for weapons and armaments. And, you know, that's why they're so opposed to detente with Russia, that, that all the vast funding that the taxpayer is putting up with at the great detriment of the country, because the, the, the Military spending has a very low multiplier effect, unlike, say, automobile spending. When you, with automobile industry, uh, they use leather for upholstery, rubber, tires, electronics, and radios, stereos, and all that kind of stuff. There, the whole host of different industries that benefit from automobile production. Military weapons production, very narrow, virtually no multiplier effect. There's the same old, same old companies getting richer and richer and richer at the public trough. And we've had these developments now, these ships off the ship, short Pacific that I'm convinced uh, are uh, shots across the bow from Russia and China, which have high-tech uh, abilities that can take control of our own warships. There was a precursor with a Donald Cook in the Black Sea in 2015 where, where a Russian fighter-bomber approached and uh, the, all the ship's electronic equipment, communication, navigation, fire control, was neutralized. They were dead in the water. The plane made repeated mock strafing runs against it. So many sailors were terrified they got out of the Navy. They got out of the Navy by the dozen. And what it means is Russia have a capability to take over our ships and we can't cope with it. The idea that you would have two destroyers 
that are extremely sophisticated. I mean, they bristle with electronic equipment. They're surveying everything under the water, on the water, and in the air. That's what they're there. That's what they're doing 24-7. If you've never been aboard a Navy mess vessel, you might not appreciate what I'm saying. It is impossible that this was a matter of neglect. Impossible. Yeah, they have highly sophisticated electronics on board, which is astonishing that this would even happen. Exactly. Some of the best in the world. It cannot have happened by inadvertence. This was not a personnel problem. This was taking control of the ships. You have a huge lumbering cargo ship. I mean, this thing, Crystal, that hits a Fitzgerald. It's just enormous. It's very hard to turn. It's very hard to steer. It moves at a snail's pace. Uh, for that to hit one of these ships is outrageous. It's it's like an elephant stepping on a fox. Seriously, there, there's a lot more to this story that we've been told. It, it's quite obvious to me. Yeah, well, that's that's what I'm spelling out here. Oh, yes. And, you know, the other ship was the... USS John McCain. The John McCain, so, right. The ship is named for his father and his grandfather, both of whom were admirals. But look at it this way. McCain is a great hawk. He's a warmonger. He's talking about wars against Russia, North Korea, Iran, endlessly. So it's a perfect symbol to neutralize a John McCain and show the United States, if it's paying any attention, that we may be biting off more than we can chew if we decide we want to provoke a war with Russia. And by God, we're doing everything we can to bring that about. I tell you right now, if Hillary had been elected president, we'd already been through World War III, and most of us would already be dead. I don't trust this government, Jim. Well, for good reason. For good reason. But I'm telling you, I think Trump has somehow been compromised. This, this Afghan thing is simply ridiculous. Ron Paul has said the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, he believes the same. Well, Ron Paul's a real smart guy. He, he and Dennis Kucinich. I think Rand Paul is actually very, very good, very smart, and that Trump would have been wise to have enlisted his assistant. I think Rand Paul would have been a, a better. I like Rand Paul. Yeah. You know, I'm waiting for him to get, get his old man's charisma. However, he, he doesn't quite have it yet. Well, how much charisma has Mike Pence? What I was about to say, I think Rand Paul would have been a better choice for vice president. I initially I believe, was all yeah. for Mike Flynn. Mike Flynn was given the boot, by the way, out of the administration on the recommendation of John Brennan to Barack Obama because Flynn opposed the creation of ISIS. That's how bad things are. The guy who opposes the creation of ISIS is given the boot. And then, of course, he was sabotaged. He hadn't done anything wrong in talking with a Russian ambassador before the Trump administration came into office. That was all made up. Nothing wrong at all. He did nothing wrong at all. What I liked about Flynn was he had so much experience and intel that he could cut through all the crap. You couldn't pull any smoke and mirrors with Flynn. With Trump now, McMaster, McMaster's a globalist, a member of the Council on Foreign Relations. He was a never-Trumper. And Roger Stone reported, and I believe it, that he's in daily conversation with George Soros. That's what I've heard. That's what I've heard. I certainly hope not. Well, I think you can take it to the bank. Yeah, and the fact that these people still remain walking freely is beyond comprehension. None of these people ever go to jail. And Soros, as you know, he's clearly stated that he wants to overthrow the government. He said that I don't know how many times now. Who who said this? Uh, George Soros in plenty of interviews. Soros Mm -hmm. Soros might be the embodiment of evil. I mean, you know, there, there are very few persons of whom I'd say such a thing, but George Soros seems to qualify he, he's a Hungarian Jew, and I only mention that because, uh, you know, 
Congress is controlled by APAC, as you were observing before. Correct. The 9-11 was, was brought to us to benefit Israel. It had nothing to do with the United States. The whole thing was fabricated. You watch my view, you'll find none of the 9-11 aircraft even crashed on 9-11. Two of them weren't even in the air, as I mentioned already. Yeah, our own government has permitted terrorist acts, for, I don't know, for how long on its own citizens and FBI informant. I believe Randy Glass, I believe, was undercover, and he was told by Pakistan intelligence operatives that the World Trade Center were coming down, and he repeated this. Uh, over and over, but it fell upon deaf ears. Well, there was an interview with a with a Rockefeller grandson who was talking about 9-11 like two years in advance. That's wild. Yeah. I can't believe any of this even happened, and it basically changed our fundamentals ever since that day. Well, they rushed through the Patriot Act. And by the way, even before we part, let me make no this problem. Rather, crucial, Go ahead. Rather, yes. rather crucial observation. Barack Obama paved the way for all these fraudulent events such as Sandy Hook, the Boston bombing, San Bernardino, Charlottesville, by nullifying the Smith-Mutt Act of 1948, which precluded the use of the same techniques of disinformation and propaganda within the United States that were being used without. It was nullified by the National Defense Appropriation Act of 2013, which was signed in 2012 in time for Sandy Hook. So if you want to know why we're being besieged with so much bullshit, you can thank Barack Hussein Obama. It was his his idea to allow all this happen. And we even have, by the way, a report from uh, uh, it's on one of my blogs from a a, a woman who lived in Boston who heard on a, a Boston. Well, I think it may have been. Yeah, it was a Boston Today show. It was hosted by the daughter of Andy Rooney, where they had the mayor of Boston on. Who boasts about being a friend of uh, of of Al uh, uh, of Joe Biden, and who during the show said that Joe Biden had told him that gun control would be a done deal by January of 2013. This was an interview that took place like uh, in August, something like that. Okay, so well before Sandy Hook, Joe Biden was boasting that gun control would be a yes. done deal in January 2013. When, by the way. On the 16th of January 2013, just a month and two days after Sandy Hook, Barack Obama signed no less than 23 executive orders to curtail our access to weapons under the Second Amendment. But Biden was right in there with it. When when the host, this daughter of Andy Rooney, asked, well, what could happen, you know, to change things so fast? The mayor wouldn't answer the question. But this mayor was also involved in the Boston Marathon. I did a, a Oops, sorry about that. In retrospect, a double feature, an hour on Sandy Hook, an hour on the Boston bombing that was republished by the Millennium Report, which is a really fine website. If you just do a search on the Millennium, M-I-L-L-E-N-N-I-U-M report for uh, false flags, Sandy Hook shooting in Boston bombing, then in parentheses videos, you, you'll find this double feature of Sandy Hook and the Boston bombing. It won't leave any doubts in your mind about what happened. We know more, but it all confirms everything I say there. You know, it's one thing about the work I do with these collaborators. We do our homework. You know, I won't come out on a limb and make a claim I can't justify and support with evidence, with proof that's sufficient to establish the point. And that's that's what you'll find with these videos. When I when I do a two hour video, 
on JFK or 9-11, you're getting like 120 slides that show you the evidence. I mean, I give it to you so you can see it while I talk about it and explain what's going on here. Yeah, you do a tremendous job, like I mentioned earlier. Uh, probably the best I've, I've actually ever seen from anyone else. And I'm not just saying that because you're on the air here, but I, I mean it. Well, there's a friend trying to call me or maybe even my wife. Oh. oh. I sent a friend to call me back uh, after midnight. He's 12, 10 years Oh, old. no. Jim, hang on a second. Hang on a second. I'm not quite done. Just a second. Go ahead. Well, no, I mean, I, I can't talk to him until we conclude the show. Oh, he'll, yes. He'll call me. We're good. We're good. No We're problem. Good. Yes, no problem. Michael, so, look, I think you're a great host. You certainly give uh, uh, me ample opportunity. My traditional favorite? Pursue the questions, the issues you want us to discuss. And I'm just real grateful for these opportunities. Oh, clockwise, Jim. You know, I, I really appreciate having you on the program. So much information is relayed back and forth here. It's tremendous. And I like, uh, you know, giving lots of links where people can follow up so they can see, get confirmation for themselves that everything I'm saying here. I mean, it's what happens when you take a professional scholar. I mean, I published a couple of dozen books before my retirement, hundreds of articles, a professional scholar and put him into this area called conspiracy, you know, research. I regard myself as a conspiracy analyst and, you know, things happen. Uh, most ordinary citizens don't have the background training or, or ability, and unfortunately, most academicians who do have the background and training don't seize the opportunity. That's the difference. And we'll see what happens from my sending those three videos to 75 members. Understood. And yes, you got to go save the the cat. <laughs> he's not going to be saved, but I'm going to, you know, he, he's he's, <laughs> he's not going to be saved. I actually had to come back from. <laughs> We're, 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 we're away from home. I, I had to drive 45 minutes back and forth, but I wanted to be sure to be here with you, Michael. You do a great oh, job. Oh, hilarious. Well, once again, thank you so much for being a part of the program. That's moonrockbooks.com, I believe, right? That's right, moonrockbooks.com. Just check it out, each of the books. You'll get all the contributors to the book. You'll see it. You'll get a basic outline of what the book's about. You'll get the pages. You'll get how many images are there. For example, in this new book on JFK, there are over a thousand images because I included 486 frames of this approval. God damn. Yep. I'm going to have to get that one. <laughs> oh yeah. Michael, thank you. Thank you. Yes. No problem, Jim. We'll, we'll speak again in the near future. I'm sure I count on it. I look forward to it. Awesome. Good night and God bless. Thanks, Michael. All right. Take care. And that was James Fetzer, everybody. Great, great guest. Always a great guest. Seriously, yes. I hope he goes and feeds the poor kitty, by the way. I could hear that poor cat. I was worried. Yeah, I was worried too. Poor little kitty. Love that. Love that, by the way. I, I love hearing that sound in the background. The meowing. It's so good. It really does bring a different dynamic to the program. I hope you feel the same way. Oh, look at the time. Yes, I understand. It is that great time. Where we go to the bathroom. Love that. You know what that means. I'm going to play some music for all of you. So I hope you don't go away. I have some more things to say and very offensive, um, very offensive things I'm, I'm going to say here on the program coming up. I know there are, there are certain people listening to this program right now. I could see it right now. Yeah. Oh, they are definitely interested in what I'm going to talk about here in a moment. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. This is just a final payback. They all flipped on me.
Took my passions, left me be When I had a place to sit A goddamn attitude to fit Talk real smoothly with a spit But things have changed and I have quit Got nothing to look forward to But backlash full of lies You're too late where you're going This is fate, the whistle's blowing It's much too late You're much too late Like a piss hole punk With his nose turned up And a fragrance on your own Tell me, tell me what it's like To be alone And let's not forget The skull-based prick Ruffles fixed to your face and welcome back to the program. Often imitated but never duplicated, as you know by now, this is Michael Deacon, and we are indeed live on the TuneIn Radio app. Search End of Days and you'll find the 24-7 network. Oh, yes. Also, keep note, you can find this program on YouTube by searching End of Days, and, of course, you'll find the channel on the little tab section there. Oh, yes. Guten Morgen. To the German listeners out there, I can see you. You're here. I'm always surprised by that. We've got German listeners here in America and, of course, outside of America right now. You can interact with myself and other listeners by going to michaeldeacon.com and click live chat room. That's where many of us are. We're in the chat room right now. And, of course, you can call in. That number is 760-332-8724. One more time. 760-332-8724. If you're feeling a little frisky tonight, give me a call. I'm feeling a little lonely. I'd love to hear the sound of your voice. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Call in. I do have a number of things to say here, and... I've been able to do something that I haven't done in a very, very long time. I can't even believe it worked. Now, <laughs> I'll try not to incriminate myself too much here, but I was able to find the current coordinates of a guest I had reached out to. Matter of fact, he's listening to this right now. I won't say his name. I'll refrain from doing so because... To be quite honest, he doesn't have a radio show or any kind of podcast or anything like that. No. So, it'd be a little shitty to do something like that. He hasn't gotten nasty yet. Not yet. So, this gentleman, I had reached out to him. And he was really douchey in his email. Yes, you were. And I know you're listening. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. I, I Again, I can't even believe I was able to do this. This guy is actually listening to this right now. It's quite amazing. I have no idea who he was until recently. It was a listener who had sent me his information, and they also had sent me a copy of his book. I have it right here. Can you hear that? Yeah, that's his book. You hear that? It's his book. Oh, my, yes. Again, he's listening to this right now. And this is kind of what I think of uh, your little book. This is the sound of me throwing the book towards the trash can. There we go. Pure trash, really. It was a disgusting book. 
He was a very boring individual as well. I, I just was kind of offended. And now it's gone. Someone's calling in. Let's see what's going on here. Well, that took a long time. Um, caller, you are live on the air. What's up? Yeah, what's up, Michael? It's Andy from Andy Lano. Is that Andy? No, man. What's, what's up, Andy? I haven't heard your voice in a very long time. Yeah, same here. How I are you, call, dude? I uh, last week. You okay? All right, all right. Yeah, I tried calling last week, but you had, um, the Mad Martian on. Oh, he got very angry though. Yeah, no, I, no, I, Obviously. I called and then, um, I know, I, I took your and then call. You mentioned that he was like, uh, right. Right, I took your call, but then he got very, like very angry at the fact that I was. Yeah, he literally was like, "I don't want any calls right now." I remember that. Yeah, he was. He was quite offended by that. Yeah, no, I, I literally wanted to troll him again. You know, that's what I do. Ooh, but I wanted to know what kind of uh, aluminum pole he uses for his pinball hat. I know. So. I was trying to get you. Well, I didn't. I, I didn't actually know it was you at the time until much later. But I, I did want to get your question in there. I had a feeling you yeah, you would yeah. ask that, so he, yeah, I mean, he probably would have cussed you I out. Remember though. the the one? Sorry, I said he he would have cussed you out though. That's fine. Yeah, as long as he gave me the advice I wanted. So yeah, but yeah, man. So uh, were you talking about someone sent you some hate mail, or you have a troll now? No, he was a best-selling author. Oh, and they hate you. Well, he doesn't hate me. He was just acting like a big shot in his email, and I couldn't believe it. He he was so complaining like uh, he was uh, acting Jesus like a shall not be named right right he was acting like a diva and I just thought how goddamn dare you you know he was complaining about how this was taking up his time and what did I want to talk about what did I do this? and it was just on and on and on and you know I had read his book I was trying to be nice to a listener out there and I agreed to interview this gentleman and of course I read his I read most of his book and I thought it was I thought it was um dog shit, and you know it, it was sad to have that interaction with him. So mm-hmm. I, I threw his book near the trash can there. Did yeah? Uh, did, did you burn it, or at least spit on it? No, I'll probably like urinate on it and then probably burn it somewhere. There you go. Yeah. There you go. That's the way it's done. Yeah. yeah. That sucks, man. But hey, you know what? Uh, if he wants to get nasty, yeah, you're it, doing it wrong. Right. If he wants to get nasty, we could go there. There you go. I'm not afraid of that. And I you've believe been through you. this before. You've uh, been through this before, and you came out way better after. I believe me. If if they really want to get nasty, trust me, I have a bigger audience. But I don't think a lot of, of them are going to be interested in hearing some some nonsense about some moron. I mean, really, it's 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 pretty much a waste of time. It's not worth it. Not at all. Yep. But I mean, if you want to get nasty, we can go there. And I'm telling you now. You're not going to come out on top. Yeah, I hear that. I hear that. Trust anyway, me. Anyway, just wanted to say hi. <laughs> well, what's uh, going on, Andy? Yes. Stuff before. Sorry? I said, what's going on with you, Andy? Have you been drinking? I, I wanted to tell you that I've been practicing. Actually, I just popped open a beer right now. I've, I've been practicing. Started. Practicing what? Getting drinking? ready. Getting Yes, getting ready for the episode. Oh, are, you, are you actually going to do that? You're talking about the 1,000 uh, viewers on YouTube. I, I can just... Add them on yeah. there for you so you do it next week. I already passed that mark, by the way. Oh shit! Nice. Quick Yeah. So it's time to it's time to get this ball rolling. Yeah, you're gonna do a drunk show, is what you're saying. Uh, yep. I'm gonna be drinking the arrogant bastard. Shit, man, dude. Fucking every time someone calls, then you take a shot. Ah, uh, well, you're gonna you it's want me to you. you want me to bring out the hard stuff, huh? Yeah, I mean, uh, you might as well go out ball to deep. Why not? I don't know about all that. I'm going to get too sloppy if I start drinking the hard stuff. 
Well, how about the second half then? Every time someone calls in, second uh, half. I don't know. Five. I don't know. I, I think I should just stick to the 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 beer. Not. Right. Yeah. So yeah. what? Anyway, what's, just want to check in. Okay. Yeah. But what's going right. on out there in Atlanta? Uh, not much. Went to DC yesterday for a bit. Had an interview. Um, visited a friend over there. That's about it, man. Just chilling right now. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. I'm glad you're enjoying the show. Yeah, man. It was it was good. Did you um did you catch up on the McGregor fight? Well, the break was going on. No, I well I had read some things here, yes, but I didn't want to I didn't I don't want to ruin that for those out there who want to watch it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel that. Yeah, I don't I don't I yeah, feel um, terrible if I spoil that because I know there's people who haven't seen it. So I would like to talk to you about it though. Very interesting, but off air I'll, I'll talk to you. And about uh, that. you have a big uh, UK um, audience, don't you? Actually, I do. They listen in quite often. Yeah. I have a so, big, you know, it's like what, 5 a.m. over there now, maybe? I have lots of, I have lots of listeners from Germany all of a sudden. It's kind of unusual. Oh, that's weird. I love it though. It's cool. Unusual, but cool. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, man. I'm going to try to get right, to sleep. I just wanted to check yeah, in with you. Go to sleep, man. Yeah. Go, go Good to shit. Sleep. All right, man. All right. Man. Take care. Good hearing from yeah. you. Take care, Andy. And that was Andy. I haven't heard from him in a while. It's always good to talk to him. And I'm looking at the chat room there. Mike is a sloppy drunk. I don't even drink very often. I really don't. That's not my thing. Not a big drinker. I only drink a certain uh, variety of beers. IPAs. Prefer wine, to be honest. Do you like wine? No, I do. Anyways, if you want to call in that number, 760-332-8724, one more time. 760-332-8724. The genre of his book. Well... You know, it was a, a political type of book. It dealt with politics, that sort of thing. You know, I'll, I'll tell you off air. Don't worry. I'll tell you about that. It is an interesting story. And again, if he wants to get nasty, I'll definitely read his email out loud. So you could exactly know what I'm talking about here. So yes, welcome back, boys and girls. I do thank you for being here. It's been a while since I've been able to do one of these things, and oh, look at that. Star is calling. Star, what's going on? Star? Star? <coughs> Sorry. Hey, what's, Hello. What's going on? Not much. Are you listening was, to the stream out loud? Are you, are you listening to the stream? Yes. Oh, you need to turn that down. Oh, I did. Okay, good. Good, good. I, I muted it. Okay, good. I was, I thought I was hearing myself there. Well, I'm hearing yourself. Right. So what's going on? How are you? Did you enjoy the little interview there with Mr. Jim Fetzer? Well, I did until, well... Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, until started kissing my favorite president and all that, and I didn't want to call in and get into an argument. Trump? And I still don't, so I'm Trump not. is your favorite president? Yeah. Out of everybody, tr uh, Trump? Yeah. Really? Well, in my lifetime, I'd say. That's interesting. But I don't want to talk politics. No problem, no problem. Okay. <laughs> um, you're talking about drinking, and I I haven't had, let's see, I haven't gotten sloshed in almost six, has it been six years? It's been a while. You haven't drank in and six I years. I went to the store the other day, and I almost stopped by to pick up a bottle of mead, and I go, nah, because then if I started drinking again, mm -hmm. I'd want to start drinking again oh you have a, an addictive personality is that what you're telling me <laughs> i don't really want to do, do you have an addictive personality star uh oh for 
chocolate, yes. Not for alcohol. More chocolate, I found out. Well, most women love chocolate, yeah. I don't know. I see. But yes, you know, this is, this is a special occasion, a very rare occasion. It's not often that I actually drink. Well, I can, I would have a glass of wine with my cousin at Christmas time after I quit drinking. Understood. And that's like a glass of wine once a year. So. Well, you could have, you could have a glass of wine while all of us celebrate. It, it's, it's a social thing. Yeah, I, I could do that. Yeah. I just don't want to keep doing it as all. Well. In moderation, yes. You don't want to continuous, uh, continuously drink on and on until you're no, buzzing and then the room is spinning and then you're throwing up everywhere. And it's the a next mess. day sucks. Oh, and the next day it's horrible. It sucks. So That's yeah. why the, these are the reasons why I don't drink. The hangover, all of that shit, I, I'm not with it. I don't care for it at all, but I just, yeah. I'm not a beer person. I like wine. I like I mean, wine. I have- yeah. I like wine too. However, <laughs> however, I will be drinking, um, an IPA, which I prefer a lot. What, what's an IPA? An IPA is a very different, a very different kind of beer than, let's say, a Bud Light or a Coors Light or a, let's say, a Still Reserve. Have you, have you ever had one of those before? They're pretty disgusting. I, I hate anything like that. I, I hate malt liquor. Have you ever had that? No, I don't like beer or any malt liquor like that. So probably, probably not. Yes. Yeah, I've had beer before from time to time and it's just, meh. It, I, it floats me up before I even get a buzz. So, meh. <laughs> yes, I understand. I don't want to get you back into drinking now. Now I feel terrible bringing it up. No, oh, oh, you won't. That's that would be my choice if I wanted to do that. Then I'd have to go to the store and I'd have to spend money. Man, yada yada yada. Yeah. So the old song and dance. You got that. I understand. By the way, I, I understand that you are totally into the weather as of late. Well, yes, it's uh, Harvey. I haven't seen that all over the place. Are we the hurricane? You're not out there, are you? You're not that close to that area? Oh, no, no, no. I'm in Colorado. Okay, good. Good, good. I hope none of our listeners are out there. I don't know. I don't see anybody saying anything in here. I don't, I don't either. I can't, I can't say anything about your listeners that aren't in the chat room. Yeah, maybe they aren't even close, but terrible situation, that hurricane out there. Yeah. Well, it's it's stalling out and it's flooding and that's what they kind of expected would happen. Oh yes, oh yes. I did have another question for you. Uh oh. I was gonna call you by your real name, but I stopped myself there. Give me some credit. Thank you. Yes, <laughs> that was that was smooth. I was about <laughs> a second away from saying your real name over the air. I apologize for that. Well, don't apologize. You didn't do it. Yes. I had a really random question for you. Okay. I might have a random answer. No, well, it wasn't that bad. I made it sound like it was some sort of deviant thing. I was just going to ask you about music. Okay. I'll yes. do my best. Yeah, I was just going to ask you if you enjoy some of the music I played during the break. That's oh, all. Oh, man, you play the best. Oh, you like just that, everybody huh? Everybody in chat. Just everybody who thinks Mike plays the best, I've won. Because, you yeah. know, I was I was going to answer some emails here, but... Uh, I, I'll just, you know, incorporate them during our conversation. And a, a lot of those 
uh, a lot of those emails, they were asking about the music and, of course, the intros and the outros, and they wanted to know how that was made. And I, I just quickly wanted to mention I made that on an acoustic guitar using a few different little effects. And cool. Yeah, I'm not sure if you are aware of that, Star. No, I didn't know that you were playing it. Wow. Yeah, that's me playing. Very talented. Well, thank you for that. I had fun making it myself. Very, very interesting. But yeah, I, I, I get a little carried away with the music, I must admit. Sometimes I'm just sitting in my room on near the bed and I'm drinking some water and I'm listening to the stream via Bluetooth and I'm, I'm enjoying the music and I forget, oh, I, I gotta get back on. I'm <laughs> serious. Chat I've done it. Chat I've done that like five times already. I get lost in the music. I'm, I apologize people because sometimes it goes uh, quite a bit there. That's okay. We enjoy it too. Awesome. Well, but, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed that. Who in the chat room thought you played the most often music type one. And look at all the ones in the chat room. Yeah. Tons. Well, not really tons, but uh, yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> yes, very much so. By the way, is there a name, a specific name you would like me to interview, Star? Yes, Dutch Sense. You want me to reach out to him? Yes, I think he would be an excellent interview. Well. I I sent you his link before. If you don't have it, I'll, I'll give it to you again. Yeah, send that to me again. I'll reach out to him. That would be awesome. Jerry Lewis died? Yes, he did. I didn't, days e- ago. I didn't even know that. He was 91, I believe. Oh, really? 91? Yeah, I would I would expect that to be accurate there. Oh, he was active all the way. Before. He really was, and that is quite sad. I didn't know he died. Yeah, unfortunately wow. he did. Holy crap. Well, rest in peace to him. And also, Star, I, I just remembered Sean David Morton arrested. Didn't he sneak out of the country? No, did he didn't. They catch him? No, they caught him. And ironic, oh. ironically enough, he was caught in a place called uh, Desert Hot Springs. And that's hmm. not exactly far from where I am. And matter of fact, I've actually given them a shout out. Many of the people that patrol that area listen to this program. Wow. DHS, yeah, big shout out to them. Keep up the good work. Oh yes, if only I would have, if only if I would have known, I could have solved this case a lot longer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I believe you. Yeah, I could have been a detective. Could have figured this out just by myself here. It was, was that the book that you were kicking to the curb? What was that? Sorry. Was that his book you were kicking to the Oh, no, track? no, 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 not his. This was oh. a, a current best-selling author. Ooh, come on, you got to tell us. Well, Ooh, I'll, I'll, I'll private message you his name. Okay. Yeah, don't worry, I'll let you know. Okay, and I promise I won't tell. Yeah, it's cool. Again, I just don't want to be nasty. He doesn't really have a platform to attack me back. So, you know what I mean? I don't want to do that just yet. Uh-oh, did I lose oh. you there? No, I'm, I'm Oh, here. no, you're still there? Okay, good. Uh, I'm glad you're still around there. And of yeah, course. I'm, I'm still hanging in there. <laughs> yeah, I'm, you know, I'm glad you're still there. And I'm glad you're staying up with me, by the way, because I know it's rather late where you're, where you're located in Colorado. It's after midnight. It's late for you. Yes, it is. 
By the way, did we you? Old farts. We old farts like to retire yeah, early. That's right. But I don't. Correct. And but so do I. I I take various naps. I'm like a cat. Speaking of cats, yeah. did you did you like Jim's uh cat there meowing away? I missed that. You couldn't hear him. No. Poor kitty. He was going wild. Oh well. <laughs> he just wanted a little rub. That's all. Jim should have let him in the room. I should have told him, hey, you shouldn't let the cat in. It's okay. If my cat heard him, she'd probably meow back. Oh, that's so funny. Poor kitty. So, Star, I do want to thank you for hanging out with me here. I, I am looking at the time. I don't want to run too late here. Okay. But, yes, I, I do appreciate you hanging out with me here past oh, midnight. You're welcome, and, and thank you for keeping your shows going. You're welcome. I see myself not stopping anytime soon. And speaking of which, I turned down two radio offers recently. And oh. I'm not going to just dance for peanuts, to be honest with you. I feel well, like should. I should be paid what I'm worth. And uh, to be honest with you, what I saw is not what I believed I was worth. You're worth a lot. Correct. So I turned I turn that down. Plus the, plus, the show wouldn't be as fun. Nope. Oh, did you get a chance to see the Eclipse? To be honest with you, I didn't. I saw it online, however. I actually had the whole special, um, the little special glasses to see it. However, I slept through it all. Oh. Yeah. Well, I I took pictures of it, such as it was. Did you? I, <laughs> yeah. Send those. I tried shooting yeah. it. You gotta send those to me. Camera and there's too much glare, so I put my my eclipse viewing glasses over the lens and got some. They're pretty small. I'll have to blow them up a bit, but I I got some of it. Very cool. You're gonna have to. Share those with me on Skype there. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah, I'll use them for something. Don't worry. Okay. I'm creative enough. Don't worry. You're free to do so. Awesome. But again, I I do want to thank you for hanging out with us all here. Oh, you're welcome. And thank you for being here to hang out with. No problem. Take care, Star. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And of course, that was Star, folks. Great caller there. And yes, of course, looking at the time. I do have some other things to talk about here, but again, I don't want to waste too much of your time out there. I know all of you out there have ADD, so we'll wrap it up. We'll wrap up the program here. I do want to thank all of you for hanging out with me here tonight. And of course, I'm live every Saturday night at 8 p.m. That's 11 p.m. Eastern Time. This is a call-in show. Don't ever be afraid to call in. That number is 760-332-8724. Or go ahead and add me over Skype, end of days, Mike, the letter Y, not the letter I. And if you like this program enough, if you go to uh, michaeldeacon.com, you can donate to the program. There is a little PayPal link there on your right-hand side. Always appreciate a few dollars coming my way. Oh, yes. Love the money. Love all of you out there. And, of course, I thought about all of you. Which is why I turned down that that deal there. I thought, I'm not going to have fun if I just give over the program that easily. We won't have these little discussions we have here. It won't be as organic. A lot of, a lot of people think that I read from some sort of a script or something. And trust me, I know how to swim deep. You don't. Trust me. You do not want to go to war, son. You can count on that. I'm Michael Deacon. Thanks for listening. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place, and life itself is a mystery. Until next time.
Good night, everybody. Sherry. Right in the hardest part out. I'm not that way. I'm a Christian. Not about a rabbit, girl. Not about a Mentioned the Illuminati, yeah. We're about to go into behind them, but the Illuminati certainly is part of the whole thing. But the top members of the Illuminati are open worshippers. I could tell that all the mainstream media outlets were giving me like bullshit. Like you can just see it. It's clear. <laughs> How appropriate. I wish I could be in that ring with Holmes right now. It's crazy. I have no idea this shit existed before 726. Oh, Granny. I like Granny. I'm going to keep you real. A lot of good content. A lot of, a lot of cool topics. You know, I, yeah, I feel, you know, fortunate to have an opportunity. Speaking of the radio, you're right here now. Yeah, Mr. Rusev. That's him. I like that, man. It's the simplest shit. You go in there, you see the person, then you say, you know, you don't put them, you're fucked, you don't put them. You know, you can tell about midnight. That's what I want. Just for what it's worth, I want to put in my two cents to tell you that I'm going to get to a most incredibly well-rounded show. Introducing the greatest tag team on the radio. Guess what, motherfuckers? Successful. You were you were a headline guy, I'm and still then a headline guy. You know what I mean. You, for a while you popped out. Now you're coming back. For I a while, back. for a while it's you were I actually do, you, you know running. I mean? You were running a gym. Tell us about that. Running a gym. Weren't you well, running you a gym at some point? You're supposed to be a news guy. <laughs> That's our research. You aren't. You this aren't. Is ridiculous. I come on CNN, and the guy don't even know what he's talking about. Go ahead. You at no point were you running a gym? Um, no, no, running a gym. What no, you, you need didn't a take a time out? Jesus fucking Christ with these guys. I come on the news for two seconds and, and you want to say, every All time right. I do an interview, a guy wants to open his fucking mouth. Can't All right, even Andrew, do a little thank fucking you very much. Here. We thought that you, you could know, hold go back. fuck yourself. You know what? All fuck right. Fuck the whole fucking network. We'll go back to uh, talking about Art Carney.